Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Welcome to the Sacred Icon Show. Brian has the straightest face right now. You guys, stone cold, rock hard poker face right now. Welcome to the one and only Sacred Icon Show. We're back with episode 179, and it is sublime. You want to know why? Because we're not talking about Halo today. But, you know, we're not too far removed from that. We're going to do a big discussion on what's been requested pretty much since we did the Xbox 360 era episode. We're going to be talking about the original Xbox, all the way back to, like, what, 2001? Yeah, 2001, if 2001. you're in the States. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to get uh, right into that. Brian's going to take us through some fun stuff. We're going to do some reminiscing and have a really good time with this one. We've been looking forward to this ourselves for a while, so hope you guys enjoy. I'm Joshy Hargis, and joining with me, as always, is my buddy, my pal, my friend. It's Brian Arvett. What's up, hey, man? Hey, Josh. Man, I have been thinking hey, about Brian. doing this episode all week. I'm excited. All week. All week, baby. All week. Yeah. Um, guys, okay, so we're going to we're gonna do a mixture of, like, oh, just yeah. talking about our nostalgic feelings and, like, what we thought about stuff in the console and games. But we're also going to do, like, I've actually pulled up some, like, information, and Josh has as well, because we want to really kind of just cover, you know, not meticulously, but kind of get all the angles of this console, because it's a console that's extremely important to us. It's got some uh, wide angles. Like, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a does. massive. That's a big, that's a big booty baddie of a console. It makes you feel. It made you feel like a badass though when you had it. You know, like that was oh, yeah. that was the thing. You know, and this is something I knew I would bring up later in the podcast, but I'll just say it now since you said that. Like the one thing I loved about the Xbox original is it gave so many people that feeling that other nerds had had bringing around their gaming PCs to other people's houses for like Doom or Quakelands. Like the Xbox made you feel like you had your own kind of gaming PC. And that was one of the criticisms against the Xbox in the beginning where people were like, oh, it's not even a game console. It's actually just a PC basically. And it's like, well, in a sense, all consoles are kind of PCs. And the truth is like Xbox felt just like a console just as much as anything else. But it had the revolutionary tech, of course, of like broadband internet and hard drive built in. But we'll get into all that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I loved hauling around my Xbox and feeling like, I felt like I was hauling around a beast of power. It wasn't even that much more powerful than the game, the GameCube, but the GameCube, I felt like I was bringing my lunchbox to elementary school where the <laughs> Xbox, I felt like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I had a handle on it and everything and the discs were small, but the Xbox felt like, oh, here's my gaming behemoth of a console. Um, 
but yeah, Josh. So before I before I go into some like kind of details on the console and background history, and guys, I am just straight off reading stuff from a wiki and then having me and Josh talk about it. So it's not like we're we're some savants at, at this information particularly. But um, Josh, where where is where is the original Xbox console for you in favorite consoles of all time? It's my number two. My number one being that, Dreamcast. Dude, but it's, it's my number, number two, two also. That's great. Oh shit! What's That's your number awesome. one? 360. Nice. So 360 for you, Dreamcast for me, but then OG Xbox at number two. Yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's my number two because it's it's basically a spiritual successor to that Dreamcast. I mean, I yeah. I feel like I I would I would still like Xbox like OG if I had never like had a Dreamcast, but I think because yeah. I had that and loved it so much when I did get my Xbox, the aspects of it that reminded me of the Dreamcast um, just made me love it all the more. Yeah, I mean, it really did feel like the, the the Dreamcast feels like the proto Xbox, right? Like what an yeah. Xbox could be if Microsoft decided to make a console. Um, yep. So I'm guessing is your third 360 then your third favorite? Probably PS2. Okay, PS2. so 360 360 is my favorite console of all it's time. Weird. You're, it's weird on the like, list for you. Yeah, I know uh, Stephen Hawes love it too. I think that's I I don't want to misrepresent him, but I know that's one of their favorites. But uh, it, it's weird for me. It's like it almost still feels too new. I don't know if that makes sense. Really? You know? Okay. Yeah. It's like it, I know it was really good, but um, it's almost still too fresh would, for me to think about. I would but say it, maybe it, it had something there. to do with you being older, but Haas and Steve are older than you, so that yeah, really add up. it's I mean it's up there though, so I definitely understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, really, really the the biggest thing that separate because my two of my favorite games of all time are on the Xbox original. So the biggest thing that separates the Xbox original from the 360 for me is that the 360 had so much more to offer across a slew of experiences. Yeah, Anything did. from from the amount of exclusives to the third-party games to the online services, even down to like having having Netflix on the 360 was something that was like an experience I didn't have on the Xbox original. So really, the only sure. reason the Xbox original doesn't get that number one spot is because it was Xbox's first, Microsoft's first foray at the console and it didn't have, it didn't make as big of a mark. But actually, Josh, you know, rather, once again, to push it back, before I get into those, the kind of the details of the console, I'll, I'll start off. I want to talk about how, like, we, what our interest was. We, we've oh, covered dude, this nice, before on nice the podcast. Nice city. I'm sorry, man. Oh, well, thanks, man. I yeah, just saw that. I never knew you had the back, that. too. Yeah. Hell but, yeah. Um, I watched you change into it. I watched you change. You know what's funny, Josh? I, I can't <laughs> come off This is going to be a good episode, guys, because we got so much more to say. So, we were at, me and Erica were at, out to eat with this couple. And the couple saw my Deftones shirt, and they were talking about how he's like, "Yeah, my wife listens to Deftones all the time," and I don't really like Deftones. The husband was saying that, and oh, and wow. uh, we kept talking about Deftones for a while. And I'm like, "Well, you probably heard their 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 most popular song, you know, Change in the House of Flies." And he's like, "No," and instead of I don't know why I did this, Josh. You're gonna find this hilarious. Instead of just like trying to give him a little bit of a taste of what the song sounds like by by being like, "Oh, you know, the chorus is kind of like you know." I watched you change, you know, like yeah. just being normal about it. Sure. I immediately decided to channel Josh instead, and I just did his version. I just was like, I watched you change. <laughs> and then everyone at the table, including my wife, was like, why'd you just do it like all you weird never! like that? Why'd you do it all weird like that, Brian? I'm like, I don't know why I did. I guess I'm just too used to Josh making that's jokes awesome. about it. But, uh, but no, Man, but if anyways, that song um, comes up on shuffle in the car by myself, you best believe I'm like, Rrr! Like I go straight into like, I start sounding like a mushroom head or some shit like that. It's, it's a crazy. good one. Even people who don't like Deftones, they usually know that, that of that song. I think uh, I got introduced to them through Queen of the Damned. But anyway, this is not a Deftones. Anyways, episode. it's not a Deftones. <laughs> episode. Though that's an idea for the future. Though probably wouldn't get many listeners. 
Um, <laughs> but I'll start off. We've both covered this in the past through several episodes, history of Sacred Icon, of how we got into Xbox, original Xbox, or whatever. But I'll start off, and I'll pass it over to you, Josh. This will probably be a good way to get people uh, in, in the zone, in the mood for it. Um, so for me, I grew up with a PlayStation 1 primarily, and I always wanted a Nintendo. And I always thought Nintendo was cooler because even though PS1 was like better selling, better hardware, had more games, I was so young. I wanted Mario. I wanted Zelda. I wanted Pikachu, Pokemon type stuff. So I was always wanting Nintendo. So eventually once I moved, like after the PS1, the next generation of consoles, I was like, mom and dad, I want a GameCube. I didn't care about the PS2 because I wanted to go Nintendo, and I definitely didn't care about Xbox because they had no right to be in the console market, and they were just a PC, and Bill Gates invented the internet, and he taxes my parents. You know, all these weird, stupid things that people would make up. Um, so I had a GameCube and a PS1 and an N64. Didn't care about the Xbox at all. Xbox comes out, Halo blows up. Everyone's like, Halo's the best thing ever. I'm like... Oh, you guys only like it because of blood and maturity, and uh, it's just you're cussing, and it's not actually because the game's any good. And so I, I shooed the Xbox off. Of course, I saw it at friends' houses. I saw Halo Combat Evolved being played. Uh, I saw the console set up. I remember going to my my neighbor's house. They had a little a little kid live next door named Dylan, and he, we were kind of friends. We played in the backyard together and stuff. And his parents decided to go out and buy a game console as their DVD player, and they didn't choose PS2, which I thought was so strange. Because uh, for those of you that don't know, obviously the GameCube could not play DVDs, but the PS2, one of its big selling points was it's it's a sequel to the best-selling console ever, and it has a DVD player built in, and DVD players were just becoming hot, so it was like, oh, I could spend an extra $100, $150 more than I would spend on a DVD player and get me a sequel to the best console ever. It was to get the console, PS2, even if yeah. you didn't play a PS2, like play games or Yeah, anything. so it was like, yeah. some people were just buying PS2s so and not even play games, they're just getting right. it as a good DVD player. So, yep, yep. But then you had the Xbox, which is like this weird like in-between option, because the Xbox did play DVDs. But they made it so that the DVDs could not be f- operated unless you bought in a, f- a $40 uh, remote and sensor kit where you plugged this little sensor into the controller mm. port and yeah. you had this regular like TV-looking remote that was green Xbox style uh, and it made it so you could play the DVDs. And it's really interesting that Microsoft did this because the the Xbox DVD kit did nothing to help the console play the DVDs. You could play the DVDs when you got the console home just right out of the box, but they made it so that your controller could not navigate any of the DVD menu stuff. So you had to buy this additional contraption. I think it was Isn't a way for them to recoup some of the cost because they knew that the Xbox original was going to be losing money. Josh, what were you going to say? Isn't that a bit ironic, though, because they have the hard drive installed, unlike the PlayStation that has memory cards. Yeah. But then for that, they're like, oh, you got to buy this extra accessory. you got to buy and it. And it'll work. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, I mean, I, it's I really think it was just a, a way to recoup costs because we know that the Xbox didn't start making any profitability till like end of 360s life. So the Xbox original complete loss across the board. Um, obviously, that's how these things work. Like Netflix, you know, they're always buying stuff and, and they're not making any money. It's just to, to build your brand, right? Uh, build subscriptions and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so you had a DVD attachment. So I always thought it was weird. My next door neighbor's parents, like they decided, like we're gonna get a DVD player through a game console, and we're gonna choose the Xbox. So you know, after tax and one game, they were over four hundred dollars. That's to pretty get cool, though. Yeah, it weird, is cool, but, so, but cool. So, anyways, and Josh is gonna bring this up later. He's gonna come back to it. But the game that they got with it was the Spider-Man movie game, the original ah, Spider-Man movie game. Yes. So, 
So, and I remember being really jealous because, like, I had a GameCube and I was playing, like, you know, uh, Zelda, Mario, and stuff. And I would go over there and I'd see Spider Man, like Tobey Maguire Spider Man in Xbox graphics, and it was like yeah. it felt so next level. But anyways, so basically, Xbox original was all around my life, but I had no interest in it, none at all. Um, saw Halo being played on it a couple different times before I ever played it. And then we get to the fateful story, which I usually gloss over, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story again because yeah, go for it. some it's people are either forget it or haven't listened, but it's one of my, yeah, it's one of my favorite stories. So, uh, basically I had a friend who he liked to collect game systems. He wanted to have them all and he pretty much had them all except for the Xbox original. So for Christmas that year, he asked for an Xbox original console with a limited edition copy of Halo 2, which had just released. Halo 2 came out in November of 2004, so he asked for the Xbox with Halo 2 in December. Not because he wanted to play it, he just wanted to have it. He just wanted to own it, you know? And I remember going over to his house right after Christmas, and he had a brand new, like, the he had opened the Xbox and set it up so it would look nice on his, like, shelf, but he wasn't playing it. And then, like, the Halo 2 copy was still sealed. And I was just sitting there bored, and I didn't even have, like, really any interest in the Xbox. But since it was sitting there, like, brand new and unplayed, I was like, do you mind if I, like, try that out? I don't know. I just want to see. You know, I've never played one. I just want to see what it's like. So you got to think, this is this is 2004, right after Halo 2's launch that I played this for the first time. So he, he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to play it. <laughs> so he's like, he just got it for Christmas. Wow. So he said, yeah, I think he got, he wanted a mini fridge was his main thing for Christmas. So he got that, and that's what he got <laughs> the most. Loser. Um, but, uh, so he took it out I'm in the living kidding. room, hooked it up. To this, I'm so sorry. Nah, nah, he's not. Um, but, uh, he took the Xbox out in the living room, he hooked it up, put in Halo 2, and I started playing it. And, you know, started playing it, I was like, eh, this is pretty fun. I thought it was pretty cool. You know, I was enjoying it. And then I got to Outskirts, and I was really enjoying that a lot. And then I got into Warthog, and it was, that was it. Game over for me, right? Like, the Brian you all know from Sacred Icon was born at that moment. Like, this is what I care about more than anything. Played through, played, played Halo Two at his house, and there. I immediately went home to my parents. And it wasn't good because I went home to my parents. Like literally, it's like it's still December after Christmas, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I gotta have an Xbox. And they're like, You ain't getting another console. Sorry to tell you, <laughs> buddy. And I'm like, No, mom, no. Tell me it's not true. So, so basically, from Christmas of t- 2004 mm-hmm. for the next eight months, I was begging for an Xbox. Eight and then months. finally, eight long, months. eight months, dude. Eight months with no Halo 2, and I kept telling my brother, telling everyone I know, every game you've ever played is shit compared to Halo 2. It's the best game ever. So hyped on it. And uh, so finally it gets around to my birthday, which is August of 2005. Always blows my mind when I look back on this and think that I technically got my first Xbox the same year the 360 launched. You know, But back when you're that young, you don't really think about getting a console at launch. Um, so I got my original Xbox uh, for my birthday that year. It was the coolest way ever to have uh, a birthday gift received. Uh, it was actually like my, it was probably my my greatest memory of all time prior to meeting my wife. I used to tell Josh it was my favorite, my favorite oh, experience this in one. life. And yes, he would always yes. be like, he'd always be like, that's hilarious, but that's so cool that you don't matter, you don't mind to admit that getting your Xbox was your favorite memory of your life. But it was the, it was just the sweetest memory because it was refreshing I woke up, compared to other yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, I woke up. It was like two or three weeks before my birthday. I woke up. My parents were gone. They went out to get some breakfast and some groceries, and they brought back some some breakfast. Uh, it's so funny, actually, Josh. This is so cool. Like, man, this is going to be a long episode. I, uh, <laughs> I was listening to a part of our first episode back earlier yeah. this week, our very first episode in the terrible quality. Yikes. And for some stupid reason, you guys got to remember, it was our first time ever podcasting, so you know we're newbies at this. I get really hung up on what breakfast 
we're ha- we're having before I get this Xbox. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, Josh, we had some we had some Panera bagels. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, no, I, this is the first episode. You're like, no, I eat terribly. And I'm like, no, no, I know, but that's okay. But like, do you know you know Panera bagels, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I've I've had some like some toast there or something. You said something like that. Yeah. But I, but yeah, like my parents brought home these bagels and we were eating them and <laughs> got done eating the bagels and my dad's like. Yeah, I uh, I actually left some of the groceries still out in the car. Brian, would you come help me get them? And I was like, Yeah, sure, you know. And we go out to the car, and he opens the the back door to the truck, and there is a brand new sealed copy of Halo Two sitting on top of a brand new Xbox original console with an off brand Pelican brand. I don't know if you guys remember Pelican brand mm-hmm. uh, second yep. controller, so Creighton can play with me. I remember Mad Cat. I saw it, dude. It, it was yeah, it wasn't Mad Cats. It was called Pelican. It was like no, the I cheapest. Though, it was yeah, shit. Control. I remember those like. I think even the day I think even the day I used it, it had problems with like a button sticking. It was just uh-huh. awful. Um, but my car, of course, my parents had already spent like you know three hundred bucks. They didn't they didn't want to go you know, hard. Well, on play that. with your mind care. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, play with so, your mind. But I about jumped out of my skin. Uh, I was so excited, most excited I've ever felt for anything in a sense like of course there's things i've been more excited for but like that genuine like childhood like excitement was was at its peak and i ran inside hooked it up i told creighton and creighton's like he's wide-eyed and bushy-tailed like what's going on like holy crap brian's got this new console he's been telling me this game's amazing i was like we're gonna play halo 2 co-op and uh you know we sit down and my parents stand in the room to watch us start you know cairo station cutscenes shows up and and we start playing, and my parents are like, all right, cool, have fun. We're going to go out, and we're going to go do something else, whatever. So they leave, and me and Creighton start playing through the campaign. Creighton's in love with it. You know, like I said, I've said before on the podcast, we ended that night uh, just going to coagulation and crashing each other in Warthogs. It was bliss. It was gaming bliss. It was the single greatest gaming moment of my entire life, playing Halo 2 on my first Xbox. Two questions, Brian. Uh, how... I can't remember preceding you actually getting the console and playing Halo 2. Did you already beat it entirely at your friends? No. I got to the Arbiter level and was turned off and, and then never went That's back. right. Didn't you say you went back and replay? Yeah, okay. I kept then replaying the, other the is- levels that had vehicles. The vehicles <laughs> were oddly a huge selling point for me. I, I, I don't know if I'd ever played a game that was like first person into vehicles seamlessly. Because I'd played games where it's like, Oh, you get to the sixth level. Like I don't actually. I haven't even played through GoldenEye's campaign. I'm about to do it soon because it just came out on the on the Xbox. But like, let's for instance, like you know, like old shooters that have like, oh yeah, the sixth mission of GoldenEye. You're in a tank, and the mission just starts in a tank, and it's kind of on rails, and it's not fun. Like that was yeah. my experience with driving That's in first person shooters. Pretty good it wasn't point, like man. Halo. Wasn't too many that did that. Do you have a second question, Josh, or Jordy? Yeah, yeah. No, I did. I just want to let you finish. But yeah, my second one was, you said preceding. Uh, to getting the console that you told Creighton, you know, this is like the best game ever. Yeah. Wasn't there a point when you guys were playing it that he looked at you and like told you like, you're right, this is the best game ever? Yeah, yeah, he thought okay. it was. He was just... Okay. And the thing is, he's, he was easy to convince too because he was not... I mean, he might have been like nine years old, so he was really young, but mm-hmm. yeah, for him, he was just... He was all about it. Of course, he always wanted to play my Xbox then. And in the beginning, it was cool playing co-op with him, but of course, as time went on, I'd be like, stay off my Xbox. It's my Xbox, you know. But because <laughs> uh, his favorite game was like Star Fox at the time. Mine was Zelda. So Halo was just like something completely completely new but that's how i got into xbox of course uh my opinions on xbox and microsoft and all those things changed once i played it you know what i mean like and the sad part is like i can i can forgive myself for for being a, a nintendo shill and saying like xbox was stupid because i was a little kid so who, who cares we were like, all fanboys at one point or another yeah sure. but like 
<laughs> we're seeing full on adults nowadays doing that. It's like you guys got no excuse. I don't know what's going on in your mind, but uh, but yeah, so I, I ended up getting. Me. Yeah, I ended up beating Halo Two. Had no problem with the ending. That probably had a lot to do with the fact that I hadn't played Halo One. So maybe maybe I don't know how those things correlate. But the fact that people had already played Halo One probably made Halo Two's ending harder. But for me, it was just like, oh, all I know of Halo is playing as Chief and Arbiter, and the game decided to end here, and it was cool, and I liked it, so I, I wasn't bothered. But immediately. Uh, I asked for Combat Evolved from my aunt. She got me Combat Evolved. I played through Combat Evolved. Other than like being stupid as a kid and making jokes about how the graphics were awful because I played Halo 2 first, <laughs> I loved Halo Combat Evolved right off the rip. I played through it all the way through. I thought it was, of course, I thought Halo 2 was better, but I thought Combat Evolved was basically more or less just as good. And for me, it was like these just crown jewels of Halo 1 and 2 for the for the Xbox. Like These were my games. Loved them, but that's right. that's my intro story to the Xbox. Went very long, Josh. Wh- how no, you're you good. Get, that was great. Like, to introduced. Like, how did you get introduced? How did you get your first console? Like laying on us. Yeah, I told this uh, told this story before too, but I'll I'll stretch it out a bit to to add some seasoning to it. So there was this point in time when I recall it's a small window, but we had PlayStation Two, we had Nintendo GameCube, we had Sega Dreamcast, and we had Xbox coming. And that was a weird time for me because I was super into the PS2. The GameCube did not interest me at all at the time. Well, never really did, aside from, I think, those Star Wars, like Rebel Strike and stuff like that. It looked that like a kiddie console, and you were like, well, you were a teenager. I didn't hate that it was, a, I didn't have any issues with the console itself, although I do remember one time seeing the disc, like the first time I saw an actual GameCube disc, and I was like, what is this? It's the size of a yeah. cookie. I was like, maybe I can put this in my Xbox, but what? Well, what would happen? You know, because I, I used to, back in the day, I would take my Sega Saturn uh, discs and I would put them in my CD player. And if you did that, you would actually get to listen to the soundtrack and play the soundtrack. Whoa, so, that's awesome. Was it, that a Saturn exclusive feature? I don't know. I just that's so I cool. stumbled on that by accident because I had a boom box and I was like, I'm going to see what happens when I put it in this. And then it just started playing that had uh, the different childhood tracks. Childhood wonder. Yeah. So um, I was like, I wonder what happens if I would put a GameCube one in my PlayStation 2 or something. And then I was like... I don't know how that would work. But anyway, I got stuck on that. It blew my mind. Well, I just wasn't interested. There weren't any super big games that were exclusive to the GameCube that grabbed me. So, But PS2 had me. And Dreamcast obviously had me first. And then I knew Xbox was coming. But at the time, it was still so new. And I was so ambivalent to gaming news at the time that it may as well have been another GameCube. So... I was just focused on the the two out of the four, basically, and uh, it wasn't until I was over at my grandpa's one day, and he had a nephew over, and back when you could still rent consoles from Blockbuster and just mom and pop rental stores and stuff, he did that for the nephew. So my dad and I went over there and visited, and he had um, my grandpa had rented uh, the nephew the uh, the Xbox and a couple games and. He was like, you know, show Josh, you know, blah, 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 put this on. And I'm finally seeing the console for the first time physically in front of me. And I'm like, damn, that thing's thick. You know, like, I don't know what I said that my kid equivalent said. I was like, damn, that's that's huge. You know, but like, yeah, it was it was massive console. Biggest one I'd ever seen in my life. And then he pops in Halo, uh, a combat evolved. And I'm watching him play the opening tutorial. And the guy's telling him we got to get out of there. He runs, you know, and then suddenly the dude just blows up, and I was like, "Whoa!" And then the you hear start hearing the drums kick in, and you got to leap over that that passageway, and then you know you go in and talk to Keys and get the pistol. And I was like, 
I was like, I gotta have an Xbox. It was a eureka moment where I was like having heard about Halo, but it was this vague, distant thing that I couldn't care any less about. But in that moment, uh, you know, I don't even know to this day, to this day, what it was that pulled me in about that specific moment. Like you think about all these the spectacle moments that Combat Evolved has, and the moment that made me realize I not only want to play Halo but I want an Xbox entirely was seeing that guy get blasted 30 feet away like past me and the music kick in. But it was just this collective moment of like nothing else I've ever played is like this. Nothing made else the world I have. feel real. Yeah. That and, and nothing else that I had currently felt like what that was offering. It was this new entity, this new experience. So um, immediately I wanted an Xbox and I can't remember now how soon it was afterward but i i got one and halo was my first game and i played through it immediately and i remember uh, i must have i think i think you know i was playing it a couple hours here and there and then one particular evening i had gotten to the 343 guilty spark mission which is my favorite to this day and from there i literally just marathoned it straight until the end which at the time as a kid, that felt like a huge marathon. Nowadays, I, yeah. I'm sure I'd, you know, probably like two hours. It probably feels like it would fly by, but it went it by. How many times you die in the difficulty? I mean, honestly, going from three for the guilty spark to the end on legendary or heroic, right. that could take you f- upwards of five hours for sure. Right. But yeah, um, yeah. And once I beat it, I was like, what do I do now? Because uh, honestly, I don't, I, I knew that there were other games. I, I was paying attention to what xbox's other offerings were but i still wasn't really super hyper aware of what else was out there for xbox because it was really just a halo console it was a vessel to play halo and once i'd beaten halo it was like okay what else is out there what else do i play and then um that's when i started you know we'll get into it later on but i started to kind of look into some of the other games that it was offering and stuff like that and you know Ultimately, it wouldn't end up being as many as what we got with a 360, but I have a ton of great memories playing yeah. uh, Xbox games. And, you know, I, I talked about on the show before, guys, about how the just Xbox as a console, whether you know, whatever console it's been, that's been my multi-plat console. I'll buy all my multi-platform games on there, um, whereas my PlayStation, I buy the exclusives and stuff. Well, it kind of started there, you know, unintentionally. But I started to get my multi-platform games. I started to prefer them for my Xbox for one reason. And that was because on the Xbox, you could, on depending on the game, you could have custom soundtracks. And I was a big Tony Hawk fan. So I was having AFI, Britney Spears, all kinds of stuff. You know, broad range of music that I would have playing on there. And it was a super fun time because the console was so alien. And obviously they went in with that intention just from the the, the dashboard itself to the background noise you could hear, to just all the green hues it had, um, to just the the sort of thick design, the font of the Xbox and everything. It was just so different. Than- the hard drive even felt alien because we all knew memory cards. And every time you went to save something, you'd go to the, the, the hard drive in the console and it would say 8,000 plus blocks remaining. And it didn't matter if you saved a game, you saved 30 games. It would still say you had 8,000 plus blocks remaining, which was just mind-blowing it really felt like this console had had been like sent down from mars to us because we were used to having two or three memory cards that were full and we had to switch them out and here we had all these games saved and the console was still saying yeah you haven't even broke the barrier yeah. like eight thousand plus blocks well it's you know? so many people has took issue with the infamous duke controller 
but it's my favorite controller of all time because my hands have always been big, so it fit me perfectly. The only thing that was weird was the black and white placements of the buttons that later became the. You know what they say about big hands? Oh, big old dick. But yes, no, I was going to say tiny, tiny, tiny dick. Bro, we're not a shower. But, you know, I was really in love with that controller from the get-go. And I still remember how you could, like, detach it, which was so pointless. It ended up being so pointless, but you could detach part of it. Do you remember that? It was a drop cord, so people tripped over it. Yeah, I mean, but it was just like, no one ever really used it. But it was cool, you know? And the cord was, like, green and everything. It was you yeah. kind of transparent. You could see through it and stuff. But uh, I was in love with the Xbox brand at that point. PlayStation 2 was cool. I loved it. Like I said earlier, it's my second favorite of all time, probably. But it was coming off of PlayStation 1. Dreamcast was coming off Sega Saturn and everything else preceding. Xbox was this whole new thing. You know, GameCube even. You know, that was coming off that. Xbox was this first of its kind. So it was so alien, not just in aesthetics alone, but just in what it was offering and what it was doing. And you just couldn't wait to see it sort of grow and and get its own identity and i just you know we'll, we'll get into it more now but um when i look back at the xbox og it is really reminiscent to me of just how alien and unique the games felt not only because xbox was you know microsoft was trying to just get games out on this thing but also because it was just a period of self-discovery they were taking so many chances they were doing things making games that may not get wouldn't maybe wouldn't get made today because they just wanted to get stuff out there and wanted to try to be different and make their own stake not not be something that reminded you of something else you know there's that infamous story you guys should really if you really like this episode and you're really hungry for some Xbox nostalgia go watch power on documentary on YouTube it's Amazing a six part series covering the entire lifespan of the Xbox it's on the official Xbox website or i'm sorry uh youtube and you might think you know for xbox microsoft making this that they're going to hold back on some stuff they do not hold back at all which is nope fantastic they even go into the don matrick don uh xbox one stuff yes um so but yeah uh they go into the valentine's day massacre which you know that's infamous you know so uh so so many great stories in there but um they they talk about how they had, you know, I'll try to sum this up, but they essentially, you had this DirectX team that was trying to basically, the people who ended up making Xbox, like Robbie Bach and um, a bunch of other people and stuff, um, forgetting their names, but they were James trying. Blackley. Yes, thank you. That's what I was thinking of. But they were trying to show how great this could be. Whereas you had this other team that was trying to basically do another version, a newer version of a console that failed. And Bill Gates is there in this meeting, and Bill Gates was known for being like really pushy and, and, and kind of a dick and you had to really be on your toes in these meetings and they went back and forth debating what this, what their idea was, what their idea was. And one of the biggest things the Xbox was wanting to do was just all this new stuff. They didn't want to be like other consoles. They didn't want to remind yeah. you of other consoles and those other, that other group was very much trying to do, you know, pretty much copy success of other ones and kind of piggyback off that. And Bill Gates really, you know, at the end of it, you know, he really loved what uh, the DirectX team was doing. Well, so. the, the Xbox original, it was the... So all the consoles in that generation felt like they were new iterations of the generation that came before. The Xbox original felt like it had one foot in next gen. Like it had one foot already there. Because you can see the makings of that. Like, so for the sixth generation consoles, which is the Dreamcast, GameCube, PS2, Xbox, the Xbox is the only one that has the hard drive that all consoles will have on the next 
generation. It's the only one that has proper X like online gameplay with Xbox Live. I know there was technically online things you could do with the Dreamcast, PS2, and GameCube, but they were so limited. Um, just having like the gamer tags, like they were they were the being able to download your music to the console. They were just ahead of the game there with the, the built-in headsets with your Xbox Live kit. Um, and I think that's what like on one hand. The PS2 was kind of clearly the best console that generation in the in, in the terms of like it was it's the best con- selling console of all time still to this day. Uh, you know, it had the the built-in DVD player and the amount of software on the PS2 that was just fire was insane. Right. And you could play right. all your PS1 games. So the PS2 was kind of like the best console of that generation. I say that as someone who never really owned a I never really I technically owned a PS2 like used like after the PS3 came out, but I've really never owned one in practice. So, I say that as someone who's a Nintendo and Xbox guy first before for for, for this generation. Mm-hmm. But really the PS2 kind of won that generation, but what the Xbox did was say, you know, we're here, we're not going anywhere, and the shit we want to do, it's next level, it's the future. And you saw that right. in the PS3 360 generation. Microsoft Microsoft was ready for the 360 generation when they released the original Xbox. And clearly Sony was not ready for the 360 generation when they put out the PS3. You know, because the right. 360, it was there and it was ready. Um, There's, but Josh, you you want to go ahead and say something? Yeah, just one more thing. Yeah, so I mentioned that of, uh, Valentine's Day Massacre. And I got to give yeah. you guys a TLDR in case you're interested because it's got a name for a reason. It's legendary. They talk about it in that documentary. But to summarize, prior to the Xbox even really entering full development, uh, they had to show off what their plans were in a meeting with Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer. And they came in. Bill was super late. This is on Valentine's Day. And they call it that because everybody, they call it the Valentine's Day massacre because everyone eventually had to cancel their plans because Bill Gates comes in, throws the documents all over on the table, and he's like, you fucking guys, you lied to me and all this stuff, and just starts ranting and raving. One person would stand up and say something, then Bill would shut him down. Another person on the DirectX team would say something. Steve Ballmer shuts him down. And this goes on for hours, right? So they pretty much all had to cancel their, their plans with their loved ones. And they know they're going to be in the doghouse and all this stuff. But they're, they're just getting yelled at. Well, again, this goes on for a while. And it seems like it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Bill Gates is pissed. He Josh, feels like can I interject lied. and say, isn't the reason he's angry because... They led him to believe the Xbox would be running Windows in the living room. Yes, and correct. They had low key planned without straight up telling him it's going to be its own its own operating service called Xbox. Like right. it's not going to be Windows. Correct. Yeah, and then and thank you. And yeah, so then, but by the end of it, what really what really got things to calm down was they're all sitting there and they're all frustrated. And then one of the guys at the table said, well, "What about Sony?" And then Bill and Steve looked at one another and they were like, yeah, what about Sony? And then they were like, all right, we're going to let you do this. You know, almost like something just turned yeah. as they tell the story at least. Well, they had a giant, and this is part of the article or the stuff I'm going to read here in a bit. They sure. had this giant fear that game consoles, as they progressed, they were already in the living room, that in time they could overtake the relevance of the right. PC. Yeah. Well, because you had Sony so brand get- TVs, you had Sony DVD players, you had, you know, Sony stereos. Everything was basically becoming a stealth PC. So... They were yeah. pretty scared of that, yeah. They wanted a piece of it, and, and that was the point where... And that's the thing, is like part of the ego, right? Like, you're a top dog like Bill Gates, and it's like, what about Sony? Okay, um, well, I guess we're making the Xbox then, you know? And yeah. and it's just the the tenacity they had to go for it, because 
all the you know they, they, these companies do projections. They know how things are going to go to some degree beforehand. They never had really much intention that they were going to make any profit off of this original Xbox. It was right. more just to make their way in, and then and then they probably thought they'd be making profitability on the 360 pretty soon. But the red ring kind of pushed them back another five years. So it wasn't until like just <laughs> just a year or two before the Xbox One came out yeah. where that division was profitable. So yikes, yeah. But yeah, would you want to read some stuff yeah. there, Brian? You got yeah, yeah. I'll go ahead here. So guys, hopefully I don't sound too uh, boring. Me and Josh are going to channel some of our old Halo Infinite build-up waypoint article reading because I want to touch on. I think this stuff's really interesting. I think it's good for contextualizing this episode. I'm um, just kind of going through the wiki here, touching on things. We'll see what we have to think about it. But uh, the Xbox was part of the sixth generation consoles going against the GameCube and the PS2 and the Dreamcast. Um, the uh, the this was the Xbox was actually the first console to be built in the America since the Atari Jaguar, which was actually my first system ever, the Atari Jaguar. Nice. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the console sold 24 million units by the time it was completely discontinued. It came That's out at insane. 299. Only 24 million compared to Sony's 155 million PS2. I was going to say, I was just listening to an Assassin's Creed documentary while at work, and they were talking about one of the games in particular sold over like 100. I think it was like Valhalla or something, and I was like, wow. And then you're telling me this only, the console sold 24 million. 24 million. What? Yeah, 24 Different million. Times, and most though. of that was American sales because overseas, they people weren't too interested in the console. Uh, it released at $299. Uh, like I said, that was without the DVD attachment. If you wanted to play DVDs, you had to spend another 40 bucks. On top of that, it had an internal 8-gig hard drive, which is insane when you think about memory cards around that time were just a couple megabytes. Um, had four controller ports. Uh, the best-selling game of the Xbox console was Halo 2 at 8.46 million copies. So almost half of it, almost basically every two consoles sold, you had a copy of Halo 2 um, pretty much going on. It says... The console was announced in March 2000 um, with the release of the PlayStation 2, which featured the ability to play CDs and DVDs. In addition to playing games, Microsoft became concerned that game consoles would threaten the personal computer as an entertainment device for living rooms. Whereas most game consoles to that point were built from custom hardware components, the Xbox was built around personal computer components using variations of Microsoft Windows and DirectX. So another thing that you know, you a lot of you probably heard, and you'll hear from this documentary if you ever watched the one Power On that Josh uh, had mentioned, is that the console working name was the Direct Xbox because it was going to be a box that ran on D- DirectX, uh, and it just it came down to a point where they finally had to make a name for the console, and at that point they had just been throwing around the name Xbox because it was an easy way to say Direct Xbox and. Uh, they come up with all these different names they didn't like until they came back to just Xbox. And even when they came back to just Xbox, they, they still kind of thought it sucked. But they went with it. And obviously, you know, it, it turned out to be uh, pretty successful. Um, moving along here, it says the Xbox had a record breaking launch in North America, selling 1.5 million units before the end of 2001, aided by the popularity of one of the system's launch titles, Halo Combat Evolved. Um, Let's see here. What else do we got that's interesting to you guys? Um, oh, here we go. This is what I was talking about earlier. Microsoft was unable to make a steady profit off the console, which had a manufacturing price far more expensive than its retail price. Despite its popularity, it lost over $4 billion during its time. Billion. So, $4 billion. So, And that's the thing, too, is like this, this kind of started the trend. I don't know if PS2 hardware was being sold at a loss, but I feel like mm-hmm. right about this time was when the trend was started 
of selling consoles for less money than it took them to make it and making their money up on the back end through licensing deals on the software. Because <laughs> Nintendo, to this day, Nintendo to sells their day. consoles at a profit. Nintendo will always sell consoles for more than they spend to make it, which is something that Sony and, and Microsoft just don't do. Brian, i got to say this um, real Josh, quick. Josh, anything to, you want to say? Yeah, to look this up real quick. Yeah. So you mentioned that they had alternative names for the Xbox that had gotten rejected. And they Go mentioned ahead. this again in the documentary, guys. We're going to cover a lot that goes in that. But some of the alternate names they had included Frixion, Cyclips, Questria, and Zimulate. So, Awful name. Can you imagine the, uh, the Zimulate 360? I mean, I don't know. That Those names sound like the names of the aliens you hear in the background of the dashboard. Equestria like Series X. I just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, Go ahead, though, buddy. So going through some of the history, uh, before Xbox, Microsoft had success with video games on its PCs with games like Flight Simulator, Age of Empires. Uh, Leisure Sweet Larry. So, the, so they did. <laughs> Leisure Sweet Larry. <laughs> they, had some ga- they had some gaming going on prior to the Xbox, but, you know, it's not really what's talked about. Um the company had not dwelled into console, the console market of video games, which was dominated by the PlayStation. Uh, once the PS2 was announced, uh, Bill Gates saw the upcoming PS2 as a threat to Microsoft's line of Windows PCs, so which kind of kicked that off. Uh, previously, Sega had developed a version Sega. of Windows CE for its Dreamcast console to be used by developers. So if you notice, if you guys have a Dreamcast, you ever seen a Dreamcast, there's actually a Windows CE uh, like label on the console because they Microsoft assisted with that console, um, which is kind of where you can see like the the like we said the pr- the beginnings the proto especially the controller especially the controller looked the same except it didn't have a second analog. You know the the, the console had online through dial up it had Windows on the box. I remember the cord you know? for the Dreamcast came out the bottom of the controller. Oh, it was I hated such a that, weird though. choice. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't like that personally. No, not me either. Um, kind of skipping ahead here, guys, because I want to give you a hit on like the best points. Um, it was a big deal that it was going to be, you know, have a hard disk on the console. It's going to have broadband, broadband port built in, which was kind of insane. I think I'm pretty sure the Power On documentary talks about that too. It does. Back when this console was being, de- like when it was being developed, like not released yet, and they were like working on putting a broadband adapter in it, the the amount of people in America that currently had broadband was so low, it would seem like a waste of money. But they didn't want to invest future in the future. Yeah, they wanted to invest in the future, and, and the idea of Xbox Live and having this, like, actual good experience game, gaming online was not going to be done through dial-up. That's what I love about risk-taking, man. They saw that, and they were like, what if we what if we do this oh, yeah. and it messes up? But they're like, well, what if we don't? Okay? So yeah. then they did Those it. are the risks you like. The risk you don't like is the, you know, TV box with NFL for Xbox <laughs> One, you know? but I'm glad I sat out win that some. period, but you lose some. Yeah, you win yeah. some, you lose you're some. You're right, you're right. Uh, for sure. Uh, Josh already talked on the whole Valentine's Day thing. Um let's see also among the names considered was xxx box that sounds like it's you have to be 18 or older to buy that i don't hell yeah i like that um let's see here moving along (laughs) during focus testing the company put the name xbox on the list of possible names simply to prove how unpopular the xbox name would be however xbox proved to be the more popular name on the list and was thus selected as the official name of the product. Isn't that funny how, like, you think that, like, something you do is going to be stupid, and you put it out to the, the audience, and they go, that's awesome! And you're like, I thought that was, that was <laughs> dumb, you know? Well, at least they didn't go with Triple Xbox. Jeez, man. Triple Xbox. Triple yeah, that would have been. Who's going to buy that? Like, I'm not going to buy Johnny that porno yeah. box! 
you know <laughs> you got to go ask the um, dude in the back of the shop they, they'd have that like if, if you were going to family video they'd have that in that back section where all the adults yeah. was i can't even <laughs> believe looking back that that was a thing now like in video oh, stores i know I, I have never been back to one i've never been back in one. Uh, i don't know if i ever uh, did either i was like you know i have i have internet so it's fine um this part I'm most good. people remember because uh, <laughs> it's been brought up many times it says for, for the formal and announcement of release of the console the xbox was officially unveiled to the public by Bill Gates and guest professional wrestler Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We had no idea in 2001 just how popular this man would be. Like, he was already popular, but Dwayne The Rock Johnson in 2001 compared to 2023, he wasn't half as popular. I prefer 2001. Remember that? Uh, what, I get Remember it. Summer Game Fest last year and he's fucking doing this thing in his gym? It was weird. he got the Moa energy drink. Oh, my uh, God. DC that was Universe odd, dude. about to change. I bet it is. Yeah. That was odd. I um, bet it is, Dwayne. Uh, let's see. The unit's release in November 2001 was partially hampered by the impact of the September 11th attacks on travel as Microsoft could not travel uh, to help test units. Um, it's crazy. You know, Spider-Man came out that year with the marketing of the, the web between the two towers. Just a lot of... Spider-Man 2 really, and Electro, to be specific, but yeah. No, I'm talking about Spider-Man the movie with Tobey Maguire. The marketing had him... He had a giant oh, web between the two towers. You're talking towers. about the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that promo. Yeah. yeah. But the game, it's I crazy, remember... You know, that game came out too on PS One, and it was they had to remove that from the game. Yeah, it's like it's weird because we can kind of like relate to it too in a different in a different way, but it's completely different but similar. Like COVID kind of shut the world down for like a couple few months. Uh, you know, like September Eleventh shut down the world for a couple weeks. You know, back at the time, it just mm-hmm. kind of threw everything off. Um, the system was officially launched at midnight on November fifteenth, two thousand one, three days before the launch of the GameCube. A special event was held on the prior night as part of a grand opening of the Times Square Toys R Us, in which a thousand systems were shipped to kick off sales. Bill Gates was present at the event, personally selling the very first Xbox console and greeting people in line and playing games with the numerous display units present. Yeah, he was getting his ass whooped. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I remember watching the video of like the first guy picking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, they here. were playing. Him and the, so, him and Bill were playing Fusion Frenzy. I don't think Bill could figure yeah, out. Yeah, Fusion Frenzy. <laughs> that's, his, that's Bill Gates' favorite game. I bet it is. What he always says. I bet it is, Bill. Um, but nah, I yeah, like I, that mean, game. I think I, like it a lot. I think for that part, I can most yeah. The console launched with what became later rebranded as the the Duke controller. The controller was gigantic. It was for Not big for hands like Josh's. You know, you all heard it here. <laughs> and uh, it actually yeah, had. If you guys are familiar with the Xbox original controller. It actually uh, the the Duke had the buttons in a couple different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the they eventually redesigned it with what they called the Xbox controller S. It was a smaller model, and the buttons the the colored buttons we know is like X Y B and A. Now we always know them as like in a like a plus shape, you know, left, right, up, and down. Almost but like on a the original shape, Duke, yeah. it was like a diamond kind of diagonally. Yep. The, the buttons were laid out, and then you had the. What you know is like the black and white buttons that were used for like flashlight and switching grenades in Halo. They were above the buttons. They were moved to below. The start and select were moved out of the center and over to the left. So kind of crazy, you know. That's that's one thing that I'm sure in in, in retrospect, they they probably wish they had gotten the controller right on the first try. Even though I know Josh loves that controller for No, you're right, large. though. I mean, to go back to what you, you know. said about the prototypeness of the OG Xbox, um, it was definitely there. Because once the 360 controller was revealed and I saw that those became LB... And RB, like L1 and R1 on PlayStation, I was like, oh, perfect. Like, this is this is yeah. what it should have been. But, I yeah. didn't realize this, Josh, so this kind of makes sense. Like, I hope, 
I feel like this is the thing that's commonly said. If it's racist, I apologize, but it's it's mentioned in the article, so make of it which you will. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that like more Asian folks tend to have smaller hands. So it says that the controller S, the, the one that they ended up replacing the Duke with, it said a smaller, lighter Xbox controller was originally the standard that they had released in Xbox for Japan, uh-huh. specifically for those for those individuals. So they ended up bringing what was already in Japan over here once they realized gotcha. that the Duke was gotcha. too large, uh, which I, I never really had known that. Didn't so know that that's either. just some details. I'm sure there's plenty more interesting I could read on that, guys. But I want to move over to one other thing real quick and talk about the launch games. And then uh, me and Josh will kind of start getting into some of the interesting things with the with the software for this console. Uh, so the launch games, the the launch day of the Xbox original, you're there to pick up your Xbox. You want to get a couple games with it. This is what it had to offer. Uh, Josh, I'll leave a little gap of time between each one to see if you have any thoughts on it, or if you sure, don't, if you sure. don't know anything, just be like, nope, don't know that one. Four by four Evo two. Nope. I don't even. I'm guessing. Is that like a? Is it like a ATV game? Uh, let me let me do a little game? looking up here. Four by four. What? Evo two. Evo two. What kind of game is that? Somebody listens, going, "It's this game. I had it." Oh, that's a racing game. Racing game. Yeah, it's a racing game okay. developed by Terminal Reality. Okay. Well, yep, couldn't care. It doesn't interest yeah, me. We won't look all these up. Not a good name either. Not a good name know. either. No, no, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a game. That sounds like a component that goes inside the Xbox. Welcome to the roast of the original Xbox launch party. Like, I need my operating system, my RAM, and my 4x4 Evo 2 memory card, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Air Force Delta Storm. Was it again another game? Air Force Ar- Delta Storm. Okay. Storm. Yeah. Are you going to look up every one of these? I'm look- <laughs> well, I'm looking up these ones. Delta, you don't, I mean, you can keep going. I'm just looking them up. Uh, Arctic Storm. Thunder. You ever heard of Arctic? I have heard of Arctic Thunder. Yeah. Okay. What kind of game was that? Uh, I think that was. Um, oh shit! I'm forgetting. Um, am I? Maybe I'm confusing it. What's it called again? Arctic Thunder. I was gonna say, isn't it like another Hydro Thunder type game? Remember those? I don't even know what Hydro Thunder is. Yeah, this one's like a. It, this one's a snowmobile game. Okay. It's not what I thought it was, but yeah, that that one's a snowmobile game. Uh, wow, other games that's, that's crazy. released at launch were Cell Damage. Haven't heard of that one either. Wow. Uh, Dark Summit, Dead or Alive Three. Yep. Remember Fusion Dead or Alive. Frenzy. Yep. Halo Combat Evolved. Never heard of it. Mad. Never heard of that one. Man, I wonder if there's anybody out there with the podcast on on that series. <laughs> um, it always makes me want. Like, we're gonna get to this later, but like, it always makes me want to know. Like, if we created a brute force specific podcast. Would we be the number one brute force podcast in on the planet? Wouldn't be hard. I think we would be. Wouldn't be hard. I think we would be. You think it would? We be? should do that just to say that we could be in the Guinness Book of World Record. Maybe oh, we got <laughs> we got some plans. Cooking. Somebody out there stealing the idea. Oh, some some. Moving along, Mad Dash Racing, Madden NFL 2002, NASCAR Heat 2002, and NASCAR Thunder 2002. So if you got an Xbox at launch and and one NASCAR game wasn't going to be enough, you could get two. Imagine the disappointment under Jake's tree when he wanted heat, but he got thunder underneath the Christmas tree, <laughs> yeah. man. <laughs> he wanted, Mom, I wanted heat, not thunder. <laughs> Weren't they the same? <laughs> um, NHL Hits 2002, uh, Odd World Munch's Odyssey, Project Gotham Racing, mm. Shrek. I did not know Shrek was a launch Dude, game. Uh, I missed the PGR games for sure. I, 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 oh, I yeah, didn't play those good. as much as other people, but I mean... You know, now that we got Forza, Xbox is never going to bring PGR. Oh, it's kind of sad because I love yeah. the Kudos system. That was so neat. Mm-hmm. You know? It was fun. It was fun what I played. Um, 
I think it was really smart to launch Shrek with the console, though, because the green like went with oh, the console yeah. so well. Oh, definitely. You know that they sold copies of Shrek. Definitely. Plus, that movie was huge. I yeah. Mean, no one I expected it to, but it took yeah. off, so yeah. Yeah. Smart. Um, test drive off-road wide open. That's a, a lot, lot of racing games, like yeah. Uh, this is one of Josh and I's Great White Buffaloes, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2X, which uh, is actually... Yeah. It was almost... Josh, tell me if you agree with this. So there's a lot of conversations today about what's a remaster, what's a remake, what's the difference. I would say Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2X for the Xbox original, it was almost borderline a remake of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 because it had a completely new graphics engine and new content. Yeah, I don't know which uh, side of the fence I sit on yeah. that. but It was uh, like more than a remaster. You I know, just remember being interested because I saw that in Hollywood video one day, and I was like, what is this? And then I looked on the back of the label, and I saw it's basically the same thing. Uh, you know, obviously, barring graphics and stuff aside. But then that it had some extra levels, like an alien hangar or something, like an Area 51 thing or something. I can't remember, but I was like, <gasps> Which oh, goes with Xbox so well. I want to play this, but by that, but that, by that time, I think Tony Hawk's 3 was out. And it had Darth Maul, I think, and Wolverine as unlockable oh, yeah. characters. And on. I was like, yeah. I'm so, pretty sure Tony Hawk 4 was out, because I had Tony Pro Tony Hawk's Brisket 4 on my on my PS1. Might have been. Might have been. So. Yeah. Uh, and then the last game was Transworld Surf. Probably a surfing game. Wow. Okay. So correct me, call one out, Josh, if I missed one, but I think the real hitters here are There's a couple. Halo. Uh, Halo, Dead or Alive 3. Um Odd World Munchies Odyssey was I know that was a semi popular series. Project Gotham Racing, uh, people getting Tony Hawk to double dip, probably some Shrek for for kids, and then uh, I, Fusion Frenzy it, it made its way around. I'd say. Yeah, that was one of the. I mean, that was because of the demo it had on the Combat Evolved disc. I mean, that was the one that I was like aware of like right away. But um, yeah, uh, no, the, the only two I could think of that you didn't mention was NBA Inside Drive 2002 and NFL Fever 2002. And what those was Those were launch games? Yeah. Uh, and what was interesting about those is that they did I wonder why this this is games radar that they, they their list is wrong. Well, I don't know if they did. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't list those two at least because they did launch and those were out. I think they put out three uh, three titles each, I think between the two. And then I think there was a deal with EA where in order to keep the EA games on the platform, EA said you guys have to scuttle your series, your exclusive series of sports titles. Yeah. So then that's why you never saw any past 2004. Because if you guys remember when Xbox Live hit, there was a lot of the games, the sports titles, just like Amp 2, were branded as XSN Sports. So that was a big part of the promotional packaging for Xbox Live. And those exclusive ones had that. But oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Is Microsoft wanted to get games like Madden and such on Xbox Live. They wanted to get that, mm-hmm. but EA was like, "Not happening until you cancel yours because we want everyone on yeah. ours." So, but yeah, go ahead though, Brian. I'm sorry, man. Makes sense. Makes sense. No, and I think at the end, one of the final parts of this article on Games Radar, I think they, they it's very well put. They said the launch lineup was built primarily to deliver in as many genres as possible. Perhaps that's why so much of it was so forgettable. What it had in variety, it lacked in quality. Given the cost of the console and the size of the controller, it wasn't all that easy to get excited by a group of multi-platform ports, extreme sports titles, and a smattering of racing games. Still, the Xbox launch lineup proves one thing above all else. 
one game can change everything. <laughs> hey, real quick, man. I'm sorry. That was that was really well said too. Uh, I was wrong. Inside Drive didn't release until I think you said January, but NFL Fever did. Well, it was a launch title, so the football. Huh, I'm one they was. missed that. But yeah, yeah. But I I think um, I think the thing that's that sticks out to me is is this that it really only does take one game to make a console worth the purchase, and even more so. The Xbox, by the end of its lifespan, it did have several bangers, and I know, and even me, like, and I, I can, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll fall on my sword here and say for for those in the Discord that see me constantly being frustrated with the lack of exclusive games for Xbox today, uh, the fact of the matter is, it you don't really need to have fifty or a hundred to make the console worth it. And just off the top of my head, and this is going to take us into our software section of the, of the episode, and I'll let Josh kind of take over for a bit first. Um, just off the top of my head, I mean, all-timer games that this console had, Halo 1 and 2, Morrowind, KOTOR, Fable, um, and then either other titles that maybe don't fit into the all-timer um, category that are still extremely good, like, like Jade Empire, mm-hmm. um, some of the Project Gotham Racing series. I mean, it was you could very easily fill out a library of a dozen or so games that were surefire quality experiences. Yeah, I mean, most of the franchises we still have in Xbox's library today were born on that original console. I mean, Sans Gears of War, I mean, and there's a few others, but um, you think about games like, uh, you know, some of these, like Brian mentioned, and how many of these did we know? We didn't know that many. You look back at the 360 era, no one talks about Cameo now, no one talks about Perfect Dark Zero. I mean, no hate on those games, I played them, but um, nobody talks about a lot of those launch titles, there's always like one or two that kind of stands above the rest and, and become something. So, and some people, some people might say that, you know, like when you said all you need is one game, some people might say that's all they got. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, what's, what's kept me on Xbox, (laughs) what's kept me on Xbox past, um, the 360 generation has primarily been Halo. I mean, a little bit of gears, but honestly, as good as gears and four, four and five are, I don't need those experiences, but I, I always need need Halo, you know. So that's that's what they got. You know? Yeah, I understand. But Josh, get, get us get us going with some some games and stuff. You kind of okay? You yeah. So up. I was bringing this up before the episode, guys. And some of these, you know, you'll have to forgive me. Some of these, of course, really like Brian mentioned. Some of these, like Morrowind, already came out on PC. Other ones may have been multi-plat, but I'm, I'm mainly trying to focus. Kotor was on PC. Mainly trying to focus on ones that were either PC Xbox exclusive. So, but yeah, Morrowind was a banger uh, when I first played that one um that's when i got my first sensory overload moment in gaming where i just didn't it was almost like it it was both thrilling at the notion of what that presented and also incredibly daunting to the point i didn't even i almost wanted to not play it because it seemed like too much because you know i've said this before but i entered like a a part in this i come to a fork in the road and it's like this you know to the left takes you here to the right takes you there and i'm used to being in games Uh, i'm used to playing where I prioritize going the wrong way, so then I know when I'm going the right way that I've seen everything yep, that's to offer. So when I got the opportunity to go everywhere, I was like, "Well, I don't want to miss what's over here." What you know, it was weird, and I had to unlearn what I had learned uh, for so long. So that was uh, a pretty unique experience. This was Black this was the game the that the entire. 
I don't know you, and I don't care to know you. Get out of my face before I have you something <laughs> on. <laughs> I love this. Uh, I hate corporations on in that game. Guys. Swinging my sword at them. Your your hit does no you know does no damage or whatever it was. I was like, fuck you. I was like, I'm done with this game. But then I'd play it yeah. and have to wait 18 minutes for the loading screen. Well, so. that's what I was telling. I don't. Know, I told Wesley because Wesley is such a huge Morrowind fan. Right. Uh, I told him in the Discord. He he actually didn't know surprisingly that the only way to get the Xbox to properly the Xbox original to properly handle that game is. Some of those loading screens, they were rebooting the entire game on the console. It took and forever. And started it over. Man, it was long. Ever. You could go downstairs, get a snack and a drink, come back, and come upstairs, it's still loading. But but Morrowind, this is the game that Bethesda, you know, they bet everything and the kitchen sink on this yeah. game because they were going to go out of business otherwise, and it proved to be a big success. So, for for I mean, if you think about the PS2 and the, the GameCube had so many more games total, but missing out on an Elder Scrolls, like the definitive Elder Scrolls at that point, missing out on that and, and Xbox being the only ones to have it other than PC, kind of a huge deal. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, well, it's interesting the stuff we come to love so much now. If you guys like really look into this stuff, it's it, often so much of it's down to chance about how this stuff happened. Case in point with uh, Bethesda, just, you know, like Xbox really helped them in that sense, you know, really helped them get back on their feet. Bioware was in a real, I'm, I'm going to get into KOTOR, but to, to preface, Bioware was in a really bad state. I mean, they did their Baldur's Gate series and some other games like MDK and stuff, but they weren't doing as well at the moment at the, on their own. So then that's, you know, when LucasArts was like, hey, we've been pumping out all these games, you know, to help promote, you know, the prequel stuff. We'd like to have you guys try to do an RPG. And they were like, yes. So that's why that even happened. And it sold incredibly well. And we have a still successful MMORPG spinoff of that to this day. So pretty, pretty interesting stuff. And Brian, I didn't know recently, but in the same vein of what I'm talking about, I think from what I heard, Ian McKellen was originally attached to be a villain, I think in Mission Impossible 2, which came out in 2000. And Mm -hmm. there were some delays. And because that was delayed, he went on and took the role of Gandalf in Fellowship of the Ring. So we could have had an entirely different situation had that movie. So, you know, uh, it's all down to chance how many of these things happen. It's it's just kind of incredible. But uh, Morrowind, Morrowind saved Bethesda. And, uh, I mean, everyone's gaming experiences would be different because everyone and their mother has played Skyrim. Even grandma's played yep. it. So. <laughs> but uh, next up is Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge. This is the aerial game. Um, I don't know why they've never done another one of this because there's a lot of love at Xbox themselves for this game. And uh, it was a lot of fun to play, and uh, I had this, if you guys remember the the big, like, 12-month um, box that you could get of Xbox Live, and it would come with the chat headset. I did yep. not know, like, it advertised, I remember I had this version of it that advertised Crimson Skies, but I thought it was, like, some demo or something. I didn't open that thing forever, because we were. it took us a bit to get Xbox Live, and one day... I was like getting that stuff out and I saw there's a whole sealed copy in there of Crimson Skies and I was like, you know, I was like, I can't believe this has been sitting in here all this time. I could have played this and I played it and I loved it. Did you ever play it? You know what? Uh, I did not ever play it. I was very aware of it when I had my Xbox though because it was kind of everywhere. It was one of those marketed games, but I'm going to make a joke that I also think is true. Okay. They should bring it back, but have Halo's Roland to be the main character. Like, have it be based on Roland. And the joke is, because we've always said that Roland looks like a freaking Crimson Skies Absolutely. pilot. We don't like Roland. Yeah. But 
I bet the sales of a Crimson Skies reboot would be boosted by a Halo character. Absolutely. <laughs> I would have wrote Do the it. shit Do out it, of that Microsoft. game, bro. If they put Rowan in there, like, you motherfuckers, you brought it back just for this. They'll be like, we brought it back. Because here at Xbox, we believe in a variety of games, variety of offerings. We want Xbox to be the place that you play games. So we decided to go back in our library and dig out one of the games that people loved and has been long requested. And I'm like, bullshit. You guys made this shit just so you could put Roland in the fucking game. You know, because, be you know what? Though. This is is this what you're doing now, Microsoft? You lay off all these people at 343 so you can go put have another studio make Roland and put him in the Halo game? That's oh, the spinoff we oh, get? The Halo the Halo community would be furious if they knew that 343 was working on a Crimson Sky spinoff right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy no, it. No, but dude, can you imagine like, Microsoft wants to save... Microsoft wants to save money on the project, so they just reuse voice lines from Halo 5 for this game. Just one liner? So, Someone cuts so they the edit. plane off, and you're like, hey! <laughs> so there's that, but then they cut out, they like edit the thing. So in, in Halo 5, Roland says, oh, because she didn't die when she was supposed to. And then there's a part in Crimson Skies where he like guns down another plane and blows it out of the air, and he just goes, you died when you were supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit. <laughs> Fucking Roland. Uh, next up. Skies, Roland edition. $79.99. Bro, that would be the deluxe edition. It's got his face on it. You know what they do? They do it like they did, uh, what was it, Bulletstorm had Duke Nukem in it? Like as a skin? Oh, yeah. That's what they would do. Yeah, that's totally yeah. what they would do. He'd redub over everyone's dialogue, like the, the PC's dialogue. But uh, anyway, moving on because what a waste of time to talk about that character. Conquer Live and Reloaded. Exactly. Man, that this was, I mean, this was my this first is a weird foray one. into Conquer. And it was weird because you guys know that there was the original on the 64. But this was sort of a, a remastered. I'd even say it was a remake, actually, of this one. It's pretty but, much um, a remake. Yeah, and you know. I again, I, I missed out on the '64 era. So it, when I saw I saw a friend playing this for the first time, and I was immediately blown away by the potty humor, which was pretty crazy at the time for me to see in a video game. And uh, I I wasn't like super entranced by it, but I saw the multiplayer and how you could like name all the bots. And my friend Eric at the time, he had named all the bots after different Jedi from the prequel trilogy. So he was running around shooting like furries that look like, um, you know, Plo Koon or Kit Fisto. And he had all these different names. And I was like, dude, that's so cool, man. Like, I got to play this. And then I rented it and played it and had a really good time with it. I, I don't know why that's not ever yeah, taken off more, but maybe it's good. It's but, a weird, but it's I'd weird because it like, back. I mean, for many people, they don't like the Live and Reloaded version because it removes some of the charm of the original art style. Makes sense. Because this, it's made it's made to look more in line with Xbox original games where it looks a little more realistic. But it had online component, which was not at all part of the original. So yeah. another cool cool piece of history there. Yeah. Yeah, I've never played the 64 one, so I am kind of missing out on that OG humor and charm. It must have not have sold well enough because they never have used Conquer again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what I don't understand because he's like... You have a mascot right there in the in the wings, just waiting. But yep. okay, go ahead and sit on it. Uh, next up is Pirates of the Caribbean. This was actually initially developed as a sequel to a game called Sea Dogs, and then they just slapped Pirates of the Caribbean on it. They put the that black pearl right. in there, and they had Kara Knightley uh, narrate a f- like five minute opening of the video game. Otherwise, it had no connection to the movie. Oh, no wonder I hated it. And I mean, it was bad. But I loved it. Like, it had, if you stuck with it, it had charm. But boy, did it not run well. It was glitchy, buggy. This, uh, th- that was actually the game that, you, you know, when they, they tell you guys, you know, uh, 
don't unplug your console when you're saving or or something like that or like yeah. use multiple files you know just in case this was the game where i learned to have multiple files because i had one save and i was three-fourths in the in, in the story and i got a corrupted save i just hopped on one day to to play it to reload and it said corrupted and i was like are you kidding me i had to start from the beginning Ooh. i just didn't play it for a while because of that it killed me killed my enthusiasm but i would I imagine yeah. but as a huge pirates fan um yeah i had to i had to have that game so yeah i get it that was, i get it was big next up is shenmue 2 um man i mean this did dreamcast sequel yeah i mean this did if i'm not mistaken this did come out for the dreamcast as well but just uh i had to mention this one simply because like this was one of those weird moments where like shenmue is essentially what killed dreamcast because of the budget of it like so it kind of killed it from the outset but shenmue 2 was like i i mean that series is just a strange pipe dream like now you know what i mean like had this weird trajectory of the first game was like the most expensive game ever made at the time it effectively like i said aforementioned killed dreamcast it kind of made the console dead on arrival because of the just how much it cost to make that game and then the second one comes out you just wouldn't think that would even be a possibility mm-hmm. and then we even get you know Is the, the second one any good one. uh i have played it i beat it and i don't like it as much but there's plenty of people in the shenmue community that do prefer that one over all three so hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't like it as much personally, but uh, it's more of the same. You know, it's got the same amount of humor. I mean, and the dialogue is just as cheesy. There was a guy in there who sounded exactly like Barack Obama, which was great. I like Barack, but I mean, it was like you're hearing it in a game where the, the physicality is very stilted and the the hands just look like giant foam hands. I mean, it, it's I mean, it was hilarious. Just the voiceovers in there. But um Let's see. What's another one here? So, yeah, Brian mentioned Spider-Man. The only reason I put this on there, since this was multi-plat, was because this made me so envious, guys. And if you had Spider-Man, the 2002 movie video game, on Xbox, you had two exclusive levels featuring the villain Kraven. And if you had the the PS2 version, you didn't get to play those. So at the time when this was out, I still only had a PS2, and I only got to play that version. And when I saw in a blockbuster that that was advertised on the back of the box, I was heated. Best believe your boy was mad at this because I thought I was, like, playing an inferior product, you know, that I was missing. Because this was in the day preceding DLC and expansions and and pre, you know, all that stuff. So I couldn't believe that was even a thing. And I, I was so mad, but... That, that game was awesome, and it spawned a, a sequel, which incredible, incredible. But uh, I, I remember playing original Spider-Man game. I could never get past the. I mean, I didn't try that hard back in the day, but I could never get past the uh, where you had to fight the guy he pushes out the window in the movie. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, well, could, yeah, yeah. You were a little younger, so that makes sense. Because there are some games for me, man. Uh, I, I couldn't play the first Zelda. I got scared, and then I shut it off, and I didn't come back until. After talking, doing that episode we had with Ouija, but uh, yeah, another one, um, Thief Deadly Shadows. Uh, I this is kind of was that an exclusive? It was, it was, but um, I mean, released on Windows as well, but yes, yeah. So, uh, I just have to tell a quick story on this one. So, when I played this game, uh, I saw it advertised in a magazine and I was very interested in trying it. I don't know why, but it just looked interesting. Some of those magazines back in the day really made games look like they were going to be cooler than they ended up being. Oh, yeah, so uh. I have my mom rent me this game, and within the first five minutes, I immediately regret this. Like, I am distraught 
like almost OCD. I can't stop thinking about how much I made a bad decision. And my whole weekend is shot because this was the game I went with. But I was like, you know what? I got to give it more of a shot. I'll just, what else do I have to do? So I pop it in. I continue playing. I fall in love with it. It's different. It's dark. It's got this charm. Everyone calls you a taffer, you know, as an insult. Yeah. And it is hilarious. I remember that. I played the Thief reboot, the crappy one on Xbox One, and they call you that. Yeah, they do in that one? <laughs> oh, that makes me feel good, actually. So it took on a whole big charm. Well, long story short, I, I'm at this, like, lighthouse or something like that or in this haunted building. And anyway, there's there's this – I told this story before, but there is this – at the top of these stairs is a door. And I haven't gone up there to see this door yet. But I can hear it repeatedly slamming shut and opening and slamming shut, opening, slamming. And I'm like, what is going on? And at first, I don't know where that is. You know, just like in real life, when you hear a certain distinct sound, you're, you're trying to take a moment to, 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 to place where you're hearing it, what direction it's coming from. And once I realize that, I get kind of close and I'm like, oh, man, you know, I start tensing up. I'm like, I got to go up there eventually. What is going on up there? You know, so then I start to go up those stairs and I run up and immediately... I start like the door starts doing it even louder and I got so scared. I went, ah! And I run all the way back down and I found, I think I can't remember if you could save anywhere. You had a checkpoint, but anyway, I saved my game. I shut it off and I didn't play it for like another year or so. And eventually I found Holy out what crap. happened and it was like a haunted ghost in there or something like that. And it was like a girl or something, but I, I remember it scared the shit out of me. That was the most scared I'd been in a video game because you know, as you got up the stairs, the sound just got louder and that just, I was so immersed. I was so immersed. Well, I remember actually I was going to I for, had forgotten to bring this that wasn't I wasn't going to bring this game up because I forgot about it. But yeah. one it's in my top 50 game I really care about. I bought for the Xbox and then did not beat for years because I was too scared. Did not. Doom 3. Doom 3. Uh Doom 3 was only on yeah. PC and Xbox, so another yeah, console exclusive. It was Big a one. it was p- quite possibly the best looking game on the original Xbox. I can't think of one that looked better. Yeah, and it used that. It even had it like tech? a It was it tech, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it even had like a an online co-op component that obvi- I never got to play. And other than some kind of modding community thing, there's no way to play to this day because it was only on the Xbox original day. and the uh, the live service is shut down. Um, but yeah, Doom 3 was, a, was a, a really cool game to have on that console, but it was so scary. It was so different. It was a horror game more than an action first-person shooter like the prior yeah. games. Um but uh, actually, I, I want to go into a spiel on another game here real quick. You ready? Yeah, well, I'll just say real quick. Doom 3 is a great white buffalo game for me. I've, I've always wanted oh, to I play that. It. At the time, it was everyone was talking about it when it was new, and I wasn't interested in that kind of game at the time. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. I could actually see it being your favorite in the series, knowing the kind of person you are, the kind yeah. of gamer. I could see it being I love your favorite. how that looks. Different. I miss games that look like that, like Quake 4. Even. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, same engine. Same well, what's engine. the game you got, Brian? Um, well... It's been such a running joke. I thought it deserved. We talked about it, and it's wiki. Brute Force. <laughs> I had that I on. I did have that on the list. So yeah, let's talk. I about it. I think it's time, Josh, because we've talked about it so many times. It's a running gag, and I made a tweet about how Microsoft had an ace up its sleeve, and it was Brute Force, and it got like almost two thousand likes, like a hundred thousand people seen it, and I'm like, man, there's some love for Brute Force, so. Let's talk about Brute Force a little bit here. I got the wiki pulled up. It says, sure. uh, the game is a squad-based third-person shooter released in 2003 uh, that uses four members of a team who fight in numerous battles. Each character on the team has their own strengths and weaknesses. The story is of a science fiction setting where humans spread throughout the galaxy and tension arises with the threat of a hostile alien when the threat of a hostile alien race appears. Uh, the squad 
that's titled Brute Force is sent to confront the enemy. Brute Force began as a PC game in 2000, but was soon after turned into a first-party title for the Xbox following the buyout of a company called Digital Anvil by Microsoft. Um, so going into the plot for a second, it says, Brute Force takes place in the year 2030... Or two, how do I say this? 2030? No, I actually know. 2340, Josh. How 20, do I say that? 2030, 40. 2030, 40? Okay, yeah. whatever. That works. Uh, when the human race has spread out across the galaxy and settled around 50 star systems, which are collectively known as the known worlds, the major colonies and some alien races are governed by what is known as the Confederation of Allied Worlds. They patrol borders, protect their people, and keep watch on hostile alien races, as well as humans who wish to work for the aliens. Uh, I won't read all of that, but, you know, the game, you, there's like a human man, two chicks, and like a, what, like an alligator dude? Basically, basically. And it, the front cover looked awesome, and yeah. there's like there's like magazines from the time that were pitching this as like, oh, you liked Halo Combat Evolved? Well, 2003, you're getting a game just as good. It is brute force. I think that's where the... That's where the joke started with us, Josh, right? Because we knew it was pitched to be yeah. on the caliber of Halo, and even if it's not a bad game... It's not even in the same stratosphere. So if you guys saw Brian's tweet, you will know what I'm talking about. But there was an OXM magazine with the cover issue of Brute Force. And it was advertised as, I quote, the next Halo. Kid me, who took everything literally, thought that was Halo 2. I wasn't reading every single magazine. Again, I wasn't keeping up as much. I didn't do all that until I was like a young adult. So I saw that... And as I was reading about pretty much everything Brian described about humans spreading across the galaxy and alien force having to deal with them, it all sounded like Halo to me. So I thought, okay, what is this new Halo? So it comes out. And I have this funny core memory about this game because and this was me being a selfish asshole when I was a kid. We go out to rent the game. My sister, my older sister, Shakira, she's driving at the time. And... My mom is in the passenger seat. I'm in the back seat, and I'm looking at the manual. We just rented it. You know, we're heading back home. I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm not hyped out of my mind, but I'm I'm like I'm excited. My sister gets pulled over, and she gets a ticket. She gets her very first ticket ever. Cool. And all I can think about, you know, they're upset and everything. I'm like, cool, let's get home. I want to play this game. Like I didn't have a concept of what it was to get pulled get over, it, dude. get a ticket. That's how we and were. it's like you know, at the time, it's like my sister's worst day of her life, basically. And I love her to death, but at the time, I was like, I just want to get home and play this game, you know. You tell this cop to hurry up so I can play my game. Yeah, pretty yeah. Much, you know? Did she cry? Was she that upset? Oh, like, you know, crying? I can't remember now. I wouldn't be surprised because I mean, I remember when I got yeah. my first ticket and I was super stressed. But um, yeah, but but yeah. Suffice it to say, is it's a core memory because I get home and I play it, and I I right away. I'm like, this isn't the next Halo, you know? <laughs> but, that ain't it. Did you think the alligator was chief? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like trying, that's what I was trying to, to figure out and quickly realize was like, there is no UNSC. There's no chief or Johnson or any mention of the, the, the covenant or anything like these aren't the, those aliens or anything like that, or there's no flood, you know? So I, I quickly put two and two together, but I know I joke about that game all the time and that's why, but um, it was very much, in a lot of ways, uh, a spiritual precursor to Gears of War, only in the sense that it was a four-player yeah. cooperative third-person shooter game. And although you know it wasn't directly made by people who made um, Gears of War, uh, 
Gears of War was the series that really took some of those elements and and kind of made it their own. Not saying they inspired it, you know, and directly. And took Halo down from the number one spot on it Xbox did. Live. It did, and to this day, to this day, Phil Spencer does not really acknowledge this game amid all the Xbox exclusives that they have either remade, like Voodoo Vents, or I should say remastered. Uh, Blinks the Time Sweeper. A lot of these games that have been like either ported or became ex uh, backwards compatible and stuff like that. Brute Force is one of the lone games that at one point in time was a big IP for them that they don't really acknowledge now. And I just, Sad. I almost, you know, I can rationalize now because I do like to speculate from time to time on this. And I can rationalize now that it's probably simply down to they have a better franchise and that's Gears. You know, why yeah. do this, which is kind of similar don't do anything with that IP if you're going to do something at all until you can really make it distinct and stand out. I just Why realized. Go ahead. The coalition's working on a different IP right now. I would love Maybe it to be brute, brute force. force. I will lose my shit if it's. I would brute actually force. be excited. Give me a reboot and just let it be four player co op, squad. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care if it's cover based or not, but just give me something fun to play. Because you know what? The if first war styled brute force by that, but the company by oh, coalition would yeah. be amazing. Well, and you got to think it would probably be real fun for them because just like three, four, three, the coalition had to inherit an established franchise with characters. So you're having to basically play off someone's saved game, so to speak. But if they got yeah. to do brute force, they wouldn't, they could really, as long as they include that lizard guy, they can pretty much do whatever. They can they make it gotta, their own. They got to put that lizard guy in there, man. But uh, I feel like the yeah. things, the couple things, there's three things that sold that game: the alligator guy, the it's the next Halo line, and they always had that chick showing off her booty all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. I looked at that magazine that was a the lot. Selling points. I yeah, sure I did. bet you did, Josh. Oh, I definitely yeah. did. <laughs> let me let me read a couple more things about real quick before we move on to the next sure. game. I, th- I think this is interesting. This is uh, so the company that made the game, uh, Digital Anvil. Um, they were known for making space combat games, and with Brute Force, they set out to try something new, specifically a ground-based game. They also wanted to attempt a team-oriented game that would put the player in control of a squad of characters set amid numerous environments. The game was conceived from these few core ideas. Development should also be looked at in the context of a first-party Xbox game following the enormous success of Halo. For one, the game was meant to attract gamers who were fans of Halo, as Josh said, but also sufficiently different enough from Halo. Secondly, the developers wanted the game to be a showcase of what the Xbox hardware was capable of. However, the team did admit that they had no idea what the system was capable of when they first started developing for it. Uh, The core team of developers was around 30 people, but counting testers and other outside contributors, more than 100 people had worked on Brute Force. Only three months were spent on the concept stage of development, but they would spend the next two years on the prototype cycle of development. Uh, numerous influences on the game were cited. During the beginning of the project, the developers looked toward Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six and Counter-Strike, stating that they wished to reach a level of intensity that fell somewhere between these two games. They also wished to implement a strategic element to the game, which was influenced by XCOM. Josh also loves XCOM. Yes, um, the XCOM fan over Halo here. also influenced the game. This is what I find. This is my most interesting part for me. Halo also influenced the game, but according to the developers, only to a minimal extent, mostly in terms of interface design and combat balancing. Some aspects were admitted to being similar to Halo for the sake of making the game accessible to those who had played Halo before. The controls were exact, exactly identical to the Halo controls. You know, this is just a treat for me that you're talking about brute force as much as you are. This is just a damn delight over here for me. You know what, dude? I'm warming up to it. I'll never warm up to Roland. You know what? This is what's beautiful. My hate for Roland is so deep that I have warmed up for Cal Kestis of Jedi Fallen Order 
and brute force. My it's man. a beautiful thing. My, it, it's he, so beautiful. He's my conduit for hate. You know, world has world has color again. You know, the air smells yeah. better. You and know? you know what? Roses Maybe if they made Roland, uh, they brought Crimson Skies back with Roland as the lead character, I could find some appreciation for him. That's probably the only way. It's the only way. You know, what if they have, like, what if they make the multiplayer in Crimson Skies, like, evolved in the sense that, like, one person's the baddie and everyone else has got to hunt this person down. And that person, we just, like, every time we're in that multiplayer lobby, we're like, you have to play as Roland. You have to play. Whoever that person is has to play as Roland. Hunt that son bitch down. Yeah, and then they look at the numbers and we're like, we don't understand why everyone's always having the target be Roland. It's, like, well, he, it's this little he we're sucks, seeing a bro. crossover reference on Google with something called Sacred Icon. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh man! But yeah, look, it's game Josh, brute force. No, I, br- yeah. you know, I, I got to say this, and I, I know this is probably going to get us on our soapbox, but we do got to talk about other games. But uh, if you do have some stuff to say, Brian, I definitely want to hear it. But when I look at the cover of Brute Force, there's these big giant ass guns. Obviously, the chicks, you know, are made to the, the girls are made to to have the sex appeal, you know. And then you have this giant alien lizard. So it's got all this real sci-fi stuff. When I look at that, that was a huge appeal of the game to me. Uh, maybe that sounds shallow, but what I mean by that is it reminds me of a time when sci-fi rem- was a lot like aliens or starship troopers. And that also reminds me yep. case in point with Halo. In the last episode we did, guys, we talked about that. And I talked about how much I miss when Halo didn't take itself seriously. And that's kind of this era on the original Xbox was those first couple years where it's like the guns were just huge. The armor was like way bulky and big. And obviously you had sex appeal, but then you had these crazy aliens and stuff. And like, I know stuff has to, to, to evolve and change and grow and that's no problem. But I just miss when stuff had that kind of, they made, I guess, sci-fi military stuff a little bit more fun and less serious and well, that way it, it really look, had a fun sense of escapism starship troopers is one of my favorite movies you know we're going to it. war and the only good bug is a dead bug and what does that love remind it. you of things like halo john stuff johnson would say and stuff like brute force and yeah so i just I, I miss that era and you know if they were to ever reboot brute force i would buy it no matter what that game looks like is offering in it but i don't I, 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 the only way we could ever get something I think like those early Halos in that sense or a brute force is you have to make a game that's that's focused on aesthetically looking nostalgic. But you know yeah. it, it would look it would look different, and that's fine. But it just I, I well, miss that era. The, so yeah, that's why it appeals to me. I'm gonna take what you said and I'm gonna make it much 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 broader. Uh, one of the reasons the Xbox original is so cool is because it didn't take itself too seriously. You know, like the console was meant to be yeah, we'll say, edgy right. as. Fuck. Like, I, I say fuck because, like, that is the purpose. Per- he doesn't perfect swear way. much. No. <laughs> no. Like, because that's what the console. He, he never says that. Yeah. Um, but it was just meant to be super edgy. <laughs> it was meant to be alien. It was meant to be cool. It was meant to be, hey, mom, I'm playing my Xbox. I'm drinking soda. I'm staying up late. My video games are cussing. I'm shooting. You don't There's blood. It's not a phase. It's not a phase, mom. No, it was just so edgy, right? And the, and oh, I think, man. <laughs> and the thing is, you see, like, and it's not just Xbox. You see how sterile everything in the, in the in the at least with consoles. I could probably go even deeper than that, but like in the industry today, it's everything's so sterile now. And like, there's a sense of like, no, I want I want to you know I want to be uh, I want to be forward in saying that I think overall it's a really good thing that society is maturing and realizing like. There's real issues with like systemic issues, racial issues, yeah, for uh, sure. 
people's identities, everything. And I'm glad that we've moved in that direction. It's it's more important than being cool. But 100%. sometimes I do mourn the loss of when games and media and, and stuff like the Xbox console could just be so cool. You know, it could just it could just throw caution to the wind with like it doesn't matter. Like the Xbox appealed to hardcore gamers, right? It didn't really appeal to anyone else. Right. And I mean, of course it didn't sell more than twenty four million copy or, or consoles, but you know, it wasn't trying to cross reference every demographic and make everyone be happy. It wasn't trying to appeal to everyone and, and I miss I miss that because I the Xbox was just it was I do so too. cool. And my, my my two favorite Halo games of all time are Halo One and Two, and I think it, it it goes back to the fact of what Josh was saying with like the the particular feel of those games, the feel that they had. And I know you'd say Halo Three and the other Bungie titles had that too, but I think less so than Halo One and Two. What were you gonna say? Oh, that's John? fair. No, I was just gonna say even to extrapolate on that further is that when I look back at that era, GameCube, PS2, Dreamcast, Xbox, every console had its own distinct personality. The PS5. The Xbox Series yeah. X, the the Switch, I mean, maybe the Switch to a, to an extent, but I don't really look at these consoles and feel like they have a distinct personality. These are like no. these are consoles that are offering me some great features and trying to have great exclusives on their platforms, but they don't have a, an identity in that sense. They don't have a personality. They're all doing the same thing, different. Yeah, ways. exactly. Yeah. So, like when I look back at Xbox. It was just like Brian said. It was so alien, and it was so edgy. And at the time, that was so freaking cool because, you know, all the stereotypes for us were true. I was sitting in my underwear with cheese fingers, sweaty hands, staying up till 2 in the morning, drinking Mountain Dew, Dew, playing Halo 2 up until like 5 in the morning, you know, and then sleeping all day, getting up and doing it all over again. That was just – that console – at the time, fit the kind of gamer I was and that I was growing into. PS2, PlayStation, Sega, everything was building me up to that point. When I became a teenager, that console was there to like represent me in that sense. It was like that that was the console that I needed at that age as I was transitioning into like a young adult in that sense, you know, a teenager going through puberty and all this shit. It was just so fucking cool, man. But yeah, I don't mean to get on that tangent. But that's a good tangent, though. What, what other game you got? Yeah, I'll try to fly through some of these other ones. But we got WWF Raw. And the only reason I mentioned this was because PlayStation had the SmackDown series, which was notorious. We've all played SmackDown games. But this one ha- only had two games in the series. I don't know why to this day that they stopped. But um, it was just a, it was it was just fun to play. As a wrestling fan back in that era, uh, it was, I mean, it, it was totally inferior, but it was still fun to play. Um Another one, I'll mention a couple Star Wars ones here real fast. Star Wars Starfighter, this was an aerial one. Um, this was still around the time when they were putting out so many Star Wars games. And, I mean, look, I loved them all, but some of them were not as well as others. Super Bombat Racing, which was basically like a kart racer for Star Wars. People hate that fucking game. But um, this was a ton of fun. Got a sequel. Um, well, it was it was multi-platform. It was on PlayStation 2, but kind of like case in point with Tony Hawk's 2X or, you know, the Spider-Man game. This had some exclusive stuff on the Xbox One. Um, Another one was uh, Republic Commando, which that is one of the few games, like, that's a, for me, as Brian's friend, that is a great white buffalo game for him that I'm, like, waiting for him to play and experience. Yeah, I wouldn't mind playing that one. It's It's, it's, it's the game that inspired, I mean, Halo 5, they hired the the, the lead guy, Tim Longo, I'm so mad that. when I hear that nowadays. Not you saying it, by the way. Yeah. But it's just like, if you play that game, dude, I, I don't so know. much better. Well, than, it's so much know. better. It's just like, it's like, what? I don't even, 
you can almost see like a, th- a thread, a strand of DNA, but there's like nothing else but a strand. Well, there. it just goes back to that. We're not going to go on this tangent because this isn't so a, an all about Halo episode, but it just goes back to the, the thing we say all the time about how 343 was always trying to ride that line of like they want to do really new, crazy, creative stuff, but yeah. they're always trying to keep it typical normal halo and that's why you see tim longo's influence in halo 5 with the squad mechanics it's so it's like the lowest common denominator for how he could well, it's just like weird. they bring him in yeah. they bring him in and what do they do with it they make squad they make it the you have squad and you have revive like that's it that's like the extent brian hit me up with the revive me from cole revive me <laughs> but yeah republic commando is amazing it was like three levels essentially stretched out so it felt like a, a five to ten hour game but it was a an incredible experience built from the ground up with the squad controls and you really got to know those characters and what they were each thinking and stuff like that whereas halo 5 was like we'll tack this on people will like it we didn't uh, <laughs> next up star wars obi-wan i was so excited to play this game because i that thought was exclusive, it exclusive wasn't it it was um and um i mean pc again but uh i was so yeah. hyped for this game simply because it was supposed to fill in the blanks of like what Obi-Wan was up to when you don't see him during the events of Phantom Menace. Like when it's focusing on some of the other characters like on Tatooine and stuff when he's supposed to just be on the ship. In the game, it's like, well, he's not just on the ship. He actually gets up to a whole adventure of, of his own. Cool. So, But it was it was dog shit. What was great about it, though. Is, oh, really? Yeah. I was going to say, it was well, a good I mean, game. I loved it. I loved it. But, I, uh, you know, critical reception. It, it, didn't, it wasn't received too well. And what was cool, though, is that the lightsaber... It wasn't like pressing a button combo or anything like that. You had to take the right thumbstick and you would, you know, if you wanted to swing left, you know, and like like mm. sling your lightsaber at him, you'd do that. You know, you'd hit left. That's cool. So it was all multidirectional on the um, the thumbsticks. It was pretty neat. Um, another game is Jade Empire. Brian mentioned that. I've only ever played a little bit of this game. It was a spiritual successor to KOTOR, but I really... I've always wanted to, to play this game, and I, I'm surprised. I think most people are, but... They've never revisited this one. You know, it's weird that they've really doubled down on the other stuff. But, and, and, you know, people have wanted a Jade Empire 2 for so long. Not have been there. It, yeah, it didn't sell as well. It was, I think it was received uh, well, but it just didn't sell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, this one you could talk about a bit, Brian. Fable, man. I mean, okay, that's I was, a huge yeah, one I was, for you. I want to make sure that... I want to make sure that you and I had a moment to talk about Fable Absolutely. and KOTOR. Yeah, I only got a handful. KOTOR is Josh's... Yeah, KOTOR is Josh's favorite game of all time, and mine's Halo 2. So this is the console that burst uh, both of our favorite games of all time, which yeah. is another reason why the Xbox original is up there. Uh, but Fable, uh, Fable was my introduction to RPGs as a genre. And for those of you who have played lots of RPGs, and you've also played Fable 1, you'll know that it's pretty basic by comparison, but right. um, that made it more accessible for me. It was one of those games that, like, my buddy Kyle, my, my friend Kyle, his older brother Kevin had a copy of Fable. And every time I saw him play Fable, I just thought, that game looks cool. So by the time I got my Xbox in 2005, I think a copy of Fable was like 20, 30 bucks. And I got Fable for my birthday and I started playing it. And I was just completely captivated by the the allu- the, the, op- the ability to have like choice. I was about to say the illusion of choice, but that's not fair because you do have actual choice. But it's just it's so black and white in that game. You don't really have that many choices you can do you just pretty much Illusions, go all evil or all bad yeah um but being able to have my own character and to some level kind of how he looks and his decisions like you know you get to a quest and you know this game fable was pitched as being this game where like your actions change the world and everything basically every single thing you did in the game just came down to do you want to help this person or beat the shit out of them that's basically <laughs> all it was yeah. it's like do you want to be good or do you want to be evil and uh 
as a kid, this is kind of scary. It makes you wonder about me. I want to do all the evil stuff only. Like that's all I want to do. Oh, I wanted, oh no! When there was a there was a there was a kid getting picked on, I'd help the bully beat the shit out of the little kid. <laughs> um, there was an old man who was being harassed by this youngin, and I went what and. And helped the youngin harass the old man. Like I did all the evil stuff. Sure. And I remember two things that really stuck, like stuck out to me. Obviously, what I loved about the game most of all was the story and the characters and the villain of Jack of Blades. But I mean, there's moments from the game that just blew my mind. Whether I know lots of you were playing other games that were probably better at doing RPG like things, so it probably doesn't shock you as much. But like, there's a section of the game where you get thrown in jail. And you literally, like, you get all your items taken away, and you're not allowed to leave jail for, like, years, and your character ages there. And it was like, right. whoa, this is blowing my mind. But uh, I remember two things that really shocked me. This just goes to show you how much I did not know RPGs. The shock! Uh, Creighton, Master! Creighton came, my little brother Creighton came to watch me play Fable. I had been at my grandma's house for a few days. And I'm like, I'm like at least a fourth of the way through the game. At least 25% of the way through the game. And I'm still wearing the starting guild clothes because I don't know that you can change your your clothes, oh, yeah. your armor. Yeah. Um, and I remember uh, being with my brother, and my brother's like, just you know, being a little little brother, he's just asking all these questions. Like, can you do this? Can you do that? I was like, don't say that about Craig. No, <laughs> being a little bitch. No, being a little brother, he's like, can you do this? Can you do that? And he's like, what's in that shop? What can you buy? And I'm like, oh, just food and potions and whatnot. And he's like, no, like, can you buy armor or anything? I'm like, I don't think so. Let me check. And I go in there and like, you can buy armor. I'm like. Well, I have enough money to buy this this one helmet, so I buy like this golden helmet, and I, I buy it, and I'm like, I don't even know how. I've already played 25 percent of the game. I don't even know how to turn. I don't even know how to put it on. Like, yeah. how do I equip this? Start going through the menus, find the equipment menu, put the helmet on, go back into the gameplay. Holy shit, my guy looks badass. He's wearing a <laughs> golden helmet, you know. Yeah. And then before I knew it, I was like, wait, is there other stuff I can buy? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you can get full plate mail armor and like boots and like a new sword and all this stuff and. Man, it just captivated me, like the ability to make choices. Um, Man, dude, the ability to like games were so much simpler time, like, back then. Also, we're so saturated now. That's crazy. The, it's yeah, little like things could, back then. Up, upgrading your character like was so like run of the mill too. It was so like main like uh, uh, streamlined because it was, it was basically like yeah, like it, it wasn't you know like a lot of games today. You're like oh if I if I decide to be a warrior, I'm gonna have I'm gonna put all my points into like defense and like sword and shield and stuff. Yeah, was Fable you just kind of I mean, you could make like a magic user only, but the game gave you so much experience throughout the game. There was no reason to not just put your points into everything. Like, if you played Fable One right, you could get to the end of the game and have all your archery, magic, and sword and shield stuff maxed out. Yeah, but it, it was, was really weird. Good. The way that the game did stuff too. I remember a lot of people's OCD acted up with Fable. Not me actually, even though I'm, I'm I have a lot of OCD. But like a lot of people, they liked their character to be slender and sleek. Yeah. But if you upgraded, I think it was your toughness. One of the skills you could upgrade was your toughness. That's jacked. It made your character get bulkier and bulkier and bulkier. Yeah. And there was no way to avoid the association of, like, if you put points into toughness, your character would get bulky. And if you had max toughness, when you get to the end of the game, your character looked like a meat muffin running around. Like, he just <laughs> looked like a freaking square block of meat. He was so bulky. Um, but the game, it was just, it was really interesting. As many know, like, it was... Peter Molyneux's like pet project of like over promising these games and not delivering, but just the stuff you could do in the game. I mean, even for me as a, like a, as a religious person, it even kind of made me a little uncomfortable. But I've definitely done it. There's there's a, they had like a chapel of scorn in the game, mm, which yes. was basically the chapel of Satan, and you could you could like lure 
villagers to the chapel and sacrifice them. And if you sacrifice enough of them, you get the scorn scorn bow, which is like the best bow in the game. It was this evil bow you had to sacrifice human lives for. It was just insane. Did you and do I, it, I Brian? remember the other big... What's that? Did you do it? I did. You got I the did. bow? Because I, I wanted the scorn bow. Yeah. But the thing was... <laughs> I, I played it, I played it, and the game is, you know, the game, it's like I said, it's so streamlined, it's kind of broken. The way I played it was, I got my character, because nowadays I only make good characters, I got my character to be max, max good, and when you're max good in this game, you actually get an angelic halo that appears above your head, and uh, what I did was, I got my character max good, and then I went and sacrificed Bro. everyone to get the scorn bow. I have a... You just gave me a perfect idea. If Xbox is listening, I have a new, brand new IP that they need to do. You, right. Brute Force first, and then they need to come out with a game called Max Good. All right? Max Good? Max Good, dude. That sounds like a fucking platformer? sick, bro. That's like some serious... Like a platformer? Yeah. I mean, maybe like first-person shooter. Like, give me give me like their own version of like Quake now. You know what I mean? Like, I was thinking a platformer, and it's a kid who wears jorts. We got enough of those. We got enough of those already. Oh, we do? Yeah. Where's our Xbox jorts platformer? I don't it's know. out there. It's it's Rad Rogers. And I, every time, like, the health, the, when you pick up lives, they're like little jorts that are floating in the air, little jean shorts. Uh, and the character, uh, you get a Kevin Smith skin. But, uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, sorry, um, I didn't mean to get ahead of you, but Max Good. No, it's okay. Badass, bro. Uh, but I'll I got my characters, like, good level maxed out, and then I went and sacrificed everyone to the Chapel of Scorm, and then I got the Scorm bow. And the thing was, my, my good level was so high that it barely brought it down at all. And then I just continued to run around with my, my freaking bow of evil after I'd murdered people. Brian, what if but what, yeah, if, what if in Ring of po- Rings of Power at the very end, when it gets to the wizard, and he has that line, instead of saying, I'm good, he's like, I'm max good. I'm max good. I thought you were going to ask me to give off a couple of, my, of the, my, my, the iconic quotes from Fable. People will yell weird shit in Fable. Two of my favorites. Here's one of them. Thank Avo, you're here. Because Avo's a god. And then, the one that really got me, me and my brother were on a tangent about this for years, because we thought it was so weird. If you run through the town of Bowerstone, you'll just be running around, and there's always this woman, you run by her. <laughs> Man, it makes me laugh saying it. Every time you run by, by her, she goes, My body is made out of sugar. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what, do you, what does that even mean? Why is your body made of sugar? It's weird. But, last thing I'll That's say. A big booty last baddie. thing I'll say. Oh, man. Actually, i got to say two more stories because about Fable because they're so... One of them's funny, one of them's cool. Uh, so I had my helmet on the whole game, and I'm, I'm being evil all the time. It's my first playthrough. I'm being evil. You're not Max Good and anymore? I didn't know... No, Max Good is in my adult. You're Max age. Bad. I was always evil as a kid. I hate you, Josh. <laughs> um, but I finally... like I'm at the end of the game. I had already completed the game, and I take my helmet off, and I never... I didn't know the game did this. took my helmet off. I had these giant curled demon horns coming out of my head and and red eyes I, my character had become so evil he was a freaking like horned demonic individual it scared the crap out of me because i didn't know that the game did that i had my helmet on the whole time so that was pretty cool yeah. last thing i'll say this one is like this one's such a it's such a raunchy almost story raunchy. but like i'm gonna i'm gonna be nice about i'm not i'm gonna be nice about it but like it's so funny because so in the in the the re-release of fable the lost chapters they add in a house, a home of prostitution. It's literally a house of hookers. And there's two, as as always, there's two options of what you can do with this house of hookers. You can do the evil option, which is to take over the house of hookers and use them as your personal sex slaves, basically. That, that's horrific that this game allows this. It is pretty um, crazy. Pretty bad. But the good option, which is what I did, was you can find a way to trick the manager of the, of the house right. into stealing his deed to the home 
and then turning it into a refuge of for women so they don't have to sell their bodies right. anymore. Well, I didn't realize that there's multiple ways to save the house and turn it into a refuge for women. The way you're supposed to do it is to buy a bunch of beer for the owner, get him drunk, and then have him show you where the deed is and steal it. But I misread the guide. So I dressed up as a woman and bought him a bunch of beer and then chose the wrong options, and I slept with him. And as a kid, as a who's, who's straight, I'm straight, I didn't realize what I had done. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, my male character, I had sex with the owner of the, of the uh, brothel house, and my character was listed as a bisexual for the rest of the game. Well, that's one thing that was a huge, like, uh, well, I, I don't know if it even gets really noticed for that, but it was kind of progressive in a lot of ways at the time. Because there wasn't a lot I, of games that could, really you let that you angle. do that with romance characters and, like, RPGs and stuff like that. But, yeah. But I mean, I get... Someone... Yeah. Yeah, as someone growing up in a Christian household who was young and, like, just unaware of stuff, seeing that my character was now... I now had sex with another man in the game. I deleted my character and started over oh again because God. I felt... <laughs> I had felt so terrible about that I was a straight person and that I had I had sex with a with a man. Um, so I just thought that was hilarious. But yeah. uh, the game, dude, it just... In a the multitude game. of ways, it did things that I didn't know games could do. It was my first RPG. So it's in my top five games. It was in a lot of ways for me, too. I mean, it was different. And, you know, I was excited for that game because I was still coming off the heels of... of Lord of the Rings kind of opening me up being a Pandora's box for just medieval fantasy. So I want anything that was like had that sense of fantasy to it. I wanted to experience and fable like Brian said was being hyped up so much that I I wanted to do everything. It wasn't so much all this stuff that Peter was promising. Um, it just looked cool to me, quite frankly. And the fact that you could make your own character sounded cool. That was a new concept to me at the time. And um, I, I remember um, uh, I found love with this girl in Oakvale and. <laughs> She stayed there, you know, she lived there, and every time I came back to Oakvale, which was pretty frequently, I went and laid it down every single time. I was super faithful to her, and I always gave her gifts every time, because, I mean, the game's like, it's very, as progressive in some ways as the game can be, it is very shallow, too. It's black and white. Because, yeah, it's, because it's literally like, oh, how to get someone to love you and get in their pants, uh, go give them chocolates. <laughs> yeah, and if you leave them on an adventure for three years, as long as you bring back chocolates and a ring, they'll be happy with you. By the way, guys, for for like if this sounds like if you haven't played it and it sounds kind of raunchier than it is, it's it's really not that bad. Uh, the sex scenes in the game, we were all it is, is you take yeah, when we played you it. take the you convince someone, you basically convince a woman or or man in the game that you love them by giving them treats, flowers, whatever, and then you bring them back to your to to a bed, any bed in the game. And when you're next to the bed, if you have if you've made the heart logo above their head big enough, there'll be a, a prompt for you to like go to bed with them. And you press A, and all it does is the screen goes black, and you just hear the the person you're with, whether it's a man or a woman, just going, "Oh, ah," yeah. and then it, goes, it wasn't that's at it. all that's like Grand Theft Auto. It was very it, tame, and I thought it was very tastefully done because, um, it, you know, I, it would that that would be over, right? The smashing, and uh, then you you know your partner would sometimes be like, "I love you." And right before yeah. you leave as you're running out of the house, and it was just like, it actually was pretty wholesome as, as sort of one-dimensional as it was. It was I know, love a brilliant the voices. The time. Oh, I love the accents in that game. The and, game's voices. The One of the first characters in the game, the first quest of the game is you have to get enough gold 
three gold pieces to buy chocolate for your sister for her birthday. Yeah. And when you go up to the chocolate salesman, he go you go up to him and he goes, "We have a wow, a nice box of chocolates for you today. If you're interested." Yeah, I love the. Whoa, accent. what is this? That's what gave the game charm. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just being embarrassed. British humor. The, yeah, it was. It was. It was yeah. that. But what was tough for me with that game is that I thought there was going to be much more to it. The game actually moves you through the story real fast if you just play the story, yeah. like a little too fast and. Like you go from like your first mission uh, at the guild is like killing some bees to at, at a picnic, yep. and then immediately they're like they pretty much jump to like oh yeah by the way your sister's still alive you know <laughs> it's like what <laughs> you know like you know you've been training in the guild for years like you fall with a stick once and killed a couple bees well now you're an adult and you got to go on a major yeah quest. like yeah. I didn't really get to grow. but it felt you didn't notice that as a kid as much I didn't at least. I did my first time through but I was able to look past it you know what I mean so Josh is older yeah so. but 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 it was uh, a great game and. uh I can't wait to see that franchise come back. I'm so glad that that's being rebooted. I really hope the new Fable reboot it channels the first game because I know a lot of people like Fable Two. And, and to be fair, I have to admit the truth: Fable Two is the most popular one. I never cared for it as much as the first. But that yeah, is my favorite. Uh, for those of you out there who know me and my habits of skipping all content, and not liking doing side quests, it'll goes to show you how much I love Fable One. As I've hundred percent of that game, I've done every single thing there is to do. Every side quest, every little thing. That's the Brian Silva approval right there. Yeah. Max achievement. So Josh, Max good. Um, with the Max good. With the limited amount of time, a couple things we got to touch on. I want you to talk about Kotor because it's your favorite game of all time. Um, we got to do our shout outs and, and, and patron stuff. Um, so I'm going to pass it over to you. But one thing I want to throw out there because I know you don't have anything to say about it, really, Josh. Another big game that was on this console and no other console, Half Life Two, came out on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. That's a very big one. You could not play. You could play half. Oddly enough, you could play Half Life One on the PS2, but not Half Life Two. And then on the Xbox, you could play Half Life Two, but not Half Life One. And then Nintendo, you know, it had Final Fantasy Chronicles. So yeah. Well, uh, Brian, <laughs> did you want to say anything about Advent Rising? I just wanted to I just want to toss it out there as because I posted this on Twitter you know earlier this week. Yeah. Advent Rising is another one of those games that everyone just if you were a fan of the original Xbox, you had one back in the day. You either owned this game or you knew about this game. You passed it on the shelf. It just had a really cool title, really cool box art, and just a big part of the appeal of the Xbox original was that you know the Xbox itself looked so edgy and badass. And then you played Halo, and it was edgy and badass. And just all that box art of like the X, the broken X and the black like bar across the top with the Xbox Live and the green case. Every game on that console said it shouted to you almost from from the shelf that it was a badass game, even if it wasn't, oh, yeah. even if you got it yeah. home and it sucked. So Advent Rising was another one of those games. Uh, Josh, did you want me to like read about the game? Or no, no, no. I just up? I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, that game had a, or a tournament. I never really played it. It had like a tournament for like I think a million dollar thing. And like uh, I, I can't remember how that went exactly, but I think that essentially made that game DOA. But uh, never played it either. Great White Buffalo. But um, I'll name off a couple. Yeah. I'll say this real fast. Then I'll get into KOTOR. Bruce Lee Quest of the Dragon. Um, this was an exclusive. I love this game. It received terrible reviews. I had a blast with it. I remember fighting with this Afro dude in like a disco club. It was just badass. I was a huge fan of like Bruce Lee movies back in the day. Uh, weird game. It was super difficult, but um, super fun to play. Amped uh, 1 and 2 in particular, but uh, I just remember the first one being so much fun. It's right around that time as I was getting into Tony Hawk stuff, I was also getting into Amped, you know, just snowboarding games and stuff. I didn't really play cool borders on the PlayStation and stuff like that, but I played the two extreme series. So I was into just a lot of uh, extreme sports games and Amp definitely definitely excited me. Did you ever play that one, Brian? Amps? No, no I never okay. played it. Okay. Though I will say, I, I want to say, because another thing you guys people know about me is I don't care for sports in general or sports games, but 
back when I was a kid, like my idea for having a video game collection was have as many games as you can, regardless of quality. So I owned a lot of sports games for the Xbox. I had NBA 2003 and, and football and, and NASCAR Thunder 2003. Shout outs to Ryan Barca. I had sports games for the console. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have uh, two games before KOTOR, and I'll make a quick story because I got they each relate to Halo, actually. So okay. Far Cry Instincts, um, this was sort of a remake, in a way, of the, the original one on PC. Um, the reason why I was so excited. My brother ex- loved this game. Yeah, and I did love it back in the time. I replayed it uh, a few years ago, and I was like, oh, this is, this is bad. But um, I was so excited for this game at the time because I had a demo disc, guys. And on the demo disc was like a two-minute trailer for the multiplayer coming with Far Cry Instincts. And it looked mind-blowing. This was at a point in time when I was looking for the next Halo 2 experience. Halo 2 was the Pandora's box of Xbox Live and everything, and I was immediately like, okay, I'm always going to play Halo 2 online, but what's next? What else is out there? Far Cry Instincts, I thought, was going to be the game to take it over. The multiplayer looked amazing. It had a map creator and all this stuff. And I've said this story before, but my friend Eric and I, we each rented a copy thinking we were going to be able to do four-player split screen between each copy, so eight players, right? We get some TV set up, just two, and then we realize you can only have one player per screen. And immediately we were like, well, moving on. So that game always had like this weird association with Halo. Yeah, I remember you saying that in a prior episode. Yeah. Uh, the next one is, this one's going to be hilarious, Greg Hastings Tournament Paintball. I randomly rented this one night, and... The, uh, it's it's a super depressed story, but it's funny looking back now. But uh, I rented this game because I was just wanting to play like more first person stuff. Again, I was getting into extreme sports and whatnot, and I was wanting to try. I've never been a paintball guy. I don't hate it. I've just never even played it. But that night, I decided to rent it. And anyway, uh, Eric calls me up, tells me he's at this this dude's house. I, I told you guys before about this guy named Seth, and he he was like before I had Xbox Live. He had a, he was the kid that everyone knew that had Xbox, you know, live, and he was really good and stuff like that. So I only knew about this guy. We weren't friends yet or anything. I hadn't met him yet. But Eric tells me he's over there and they're doing a huge sixteen player LAN party, and I'm like mm. looking at, as he's Ooh. calling me and telling me this. I'm looking at my screen and I'm playing Greg Pastings tournament paintball, and I was like, what <laughs> the fuck am I doing what with I my doing life? With life? Yeah, I was like, what am I doing? And I tried to continue playing the game, and, and I was sitting there thinking, maybe they'll like this game. Like, I was thinking about when I take it over next weekend and show the guys this game, maybe they'll like it. And I just immediately got off the phone with Eric, and I was like, dude, I just want to play Halo. Like, fuck this stupid game. I want to yep. play Halo. So, uh, well, yeah, never read if I, that. If you, yeah, Josh, if I can throw out another game, all right. You know what? We'll go a little bit longer. I, I, I feel like Leonardo... I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio in the uh, Wolf of Wall Street, where he's like going to quit. He's going to quit his Absolutely. company. He's going to turn himself in, and then he's like, "No, I'm not going anywhere. I'm yeah, staying right here." It's up like, to Brian. Uh, it's up to Brian because he's got to do the dad so duties. I, so I got to. Yeah, I got the dad duties, but I, I just what made me decide I'm willing to push it back the podcast a little longer is we have not touched on land parties at all. Okay, which is that's well, I'll get that's into Kotor, but then we'll uh, yeah. But but yeah, yeah, we'll let you get into Kotor. But one other game I want to throw out there, kind of a random one. Some people listening will probably know about it. Some people will have no idea what I'm talking about. There was a popular game for the PC called America's Army. And it was a game that you could play for free. I believe it was free. And it was very interesting because it was a game that they actually had, like, people in the Army play for, like, some form of training. I remember hearing about this game, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember the way I got into it was uh, my friend Kyle, his whole family, including his dad, they would play this game on the PC. And it was so interesting about the game is that the first few levels of the game were you sitting in a classroom and a teacher teaching 
you like stuff about the army and you have to actually take like a paper and pen test in the video game and if you don't pass the test you cannot move forward to actual like proper shooting multiplayer so anyways i had seen kyle and his family play america's army on the pc for so long we never had a pc that could play it so they released an america's army game for the xbox and i uh saved up money and spent my whopping $50, which was a ton of money to me as a kid, and I bought a brand new sealed copy. It was it was a new release of America's Army for the Xbox. Hated the game. Hated it. Was not fun at all. Was not Get like the PC version. Nope. I was stuck with it. I eventually traded it for way less money. I mean, it was just, it was dry. It was bland. It was boring. Power to the players. But uh, that's another one that was on there. Josh, man. tell us about your favorite game of all time. Dude, when KOTOR released, man, this was so sick. I, I read it in a magazine, and I didn't understand the concept. I was still new to RPGs. So hearing about a Star Wars game that was going to let you play as whoever you wanted, basically. You got to make it up as you go along um, and make choices that affect characters around you was a whole bold new concept I had never experienced before. And I didn't fully understand what it meant at this point in time when this came out in 2003 i was just at a point where i was going to buy every star wars game still to this day that's not changed so i was going to get this i didn't understand fully that it was four thousand years before phantom menace um the characters i i didn't grasp anything i mean you want to talk about going into a game so oblivious of what it actually entails and what it's offering i bought it on the license alone on the name alone right and i went in and was immediately floored by this game. I was hooked instantly. You know, being able to play this game in a, a Star Wars game in a different setting um, that had only been ever ex previously explored in the Star Wars comics, Tales of the Jedi. Uh, you know, I, I was. It was just such a, a different story in Star Wars that was so far removed from anything you knew. And getting to see characters react to what I was saying. Um, being able to help them, uh, it hooked me. It gave me those positive endorphins in, in a way that no other game had ever given me because it felt like I was actually inside the video game going through this, you know? And you go to all these different planets, so it actually made the world, the galaxy, feel like a living, breathing place. You know, Tatooine, you know, a familiar location, Korriban. You go to this, you know, fish planet known as Manan. Kashyyyk, you go, you got to go see the Wookiees. Um, I mean, so many places in the game it had a huge twist which you know at the time when this was being made a lot of games a lot of people just can, knew star wars to be a, a series that would always offer a big twist even though that's you know only really been in that uh empire strikes back and kotor really but um this game was just huge for me i, I played this relentlessly uh, until I beat it, and uh, I mean, the twist was just huge. I, I just never experienced anything like it, and it made me want to be a better person. And uh, I, I mean, I played the sequel that came out a year later that was developed by um, Obsidian, but you know, in no slight on that game, but it is very much the last Jedi to this one's Force Awakens in a sense, where it, hmm. in a lot of ways, people prefer it and think it's like one of the best. Um, and other people don't like it as much. Knights of the Old Republic is a much more kind of wholesome experience, despite some of its dark undertones. KOTOR 2 is much more dark, much more philosophical, which I do like, but um, you don't play as Revan, and you know I was really bummed about that going into it. But the you know, and that was also an exclusive to the Xbox. But this game was just huge for me. I mean, I listened to its soundtrack on a pretty frequent ba uh, basis at work and stuff like that. Um, I, I can't express. I mean, we have we're, we're overdue for an episode on this, um, 
I have so much anxiety on the remake, but guys, I just I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Bastila Sean, you know, uh, Jolie Bindo cracking jokes. You had Darth Revan, who just was a, a great, uh, just a great looking character. Same with Darth Malak, the Ebon Hawk ship, which was his own Millennium Falcon. Uh, God, Candrus Ordo. I mean, Juhani, Carth, uh, uh, who you know never wanted to talk about stuff, and T three M four. I mean, everyone in the the cast, the characters. I mean, it was just great. The the game was a living, breathing place. It wasn't just you going through levels of a Star Wars game and and playing predetermined experience. You know, you, you really gotta you really gotta live in it. And uh, to this day, any to the to this day, any time I play any RPG that offers me choice. Um, I'm always in the back of my mind comparing it to KOTOR. And it's only because that was my eureka moment for that. Every other game, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, anything that's come after that that gives me that sense of freedom and agency um, is coming off that first experience I got with KOTOR. And nothing really compares. Now, I, and there's plenty of games that are better than KOTOR, but uh, I just, you know, it holds a special place in my heart because of what it, you know, made, made me want to be a better person. And I love being able to help people and make people feel better about themselves. It wasn't, it wasn't just about you know, fighting bad guys and stuff. Sometimes you're just actually talking to characters and just hearing them out and listening to them vent. And from the moment I met Josh, this was his favorite game. And and over the years, it's become much easier to see how important it is to you. Because when I met you, I had already known your cousin, Justin, and he had told me for years that his favorite game of all time was KOTOR. So when his cousin told me, when his cousin told me his favorite game was KOTOR, I was like, oh, okay. So you guys have the same favorite game. I'm like, I guess, you know, how, 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 you know, it just, it didn't feel as significant but, uh, you know, you've talked about it far more than I've ever heard Justin talk about it. And over the years, you know, the I've seen the impact of that game and, and how much people care about it. we got people in our own community that have it in the top top of their games. But it's always been Josh's uh, number one favorite. I, I'm, it's sad that, what, that the, the, the remake has been kind of indefinitely put on hold. But what I hope happens is something similar with Final Fantasy VII Remake where... You know, they had one idea for a remake. They had one team doing it, and they just said, no, when this gets done, it has to be done right. And I hope that's what happens. I think it's going to create controversy because I've heard two things, and I don't know if it's actually true or not. It's just all rumor at this point. But I have heard your character is fully voiced in the the KOTOR remake, Mm -hmm. and I've heard that some characters have been gender-swapped. And if anyone has played KOTOR, obviously there's some things that are a little bit outdated, but there were plenty of, of like rep- good representation in that game, and there was plenty of good variety of, of gender between male and female. So I'm surprised that's a thing if that ends up being true. Um, I don't know why that's being done, but at the same time, um, you know, it's a different thing. I'm going to play it regardless. But I'm I'm worried we, not because of those reasons, but just because of yeah. the situation with Aspire and whatnot. Well, another question I have for you is like, so I you already kind of touched on Kotor two a bit, but like, yeah. is core is Kotor two to you a good enough follow up that if we had received a proper KOTOR 3 and it was as good as 2, you would have felt like you got a solid KOTOR trilogy? Or is it different enough to where it's just like, eh, it's really just KOTOR 1 I love, and 2 is fine, but it's really just 1. Well, there's a little bit of info out on KOTOR 3 of what they wanted to do, what Obsidian was planning on doing, although they got shut down pretty fast. But I still would have played it. I still would have liked it. But I would have always been chasing that high I felt with the first game simply because I wanted so to like- keep playing as Revan. And they weren't going to let KOTOR you do that. KOTOR 2 doesn't really give you, like, the feeling of, like, where Halo 2 was, 1 and 2 are both great and you love them both. It's not the same feeling for KOTOR 1 and 2. Is that right? No. No. Okay. It's tough because KOTOR 1 came out in 2003. KOTOR 2 came out a year later. Um, an RPG. Wow. A year later. And it was yeah. made by Obsidian. It had a much darker tone. And, like, the first place you go to is a mining facility. And everyone's dead there. And the whole plot 
is you piecing together how everyone died. And there's actually like uh, between your droid, that's wholesome. There's like two, yeah. There's two characters you actually get to interact with on that whole thing. So it really makes for a, a lonely, isolating, yeah. and slow experience. And then the the ending is just super abrupt. But they didn't have a lot of time. They didn't have a lot of time with that game. But it's still really good. The first one is just, I think it's, I, I mean, look, I can be biased, but I absolutely think KOTOR should be in the conversation for top 10 uh, best games of all time. It's, it, it's absolutely I, I mean, I to me, it seems like it should be. I mean, as someone who has, I've played a few hours of it. You know, it's obviously it's dated, it's not my type of combat, combat for sure. and it's old, but it is on my list of games I, I want to play. And I, obviously, if there was a remake that fully came out and was at least decent, even if the reviews weren't stellar, if they were... If they were good enough, I would I would definitely pick that up. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, dude, Kotor. I mean, like like we listed here, Kotor, the Halo games, Morrowind, Half Life Two, um, just so many, so you many. Know, Fable, you know, it didn't Duke have three. I mean, so ma- many. Yeah, yeah. Brute it didn't four. have as many as PS Two. No, but it it had a lot. It had enough to um, make it distinct. And I mean, all those some of those games were chances. Some of those games were big gambles and. You look at most of those, those are all new IPs, not really sequels that just Xbox is inheriting. Um, so a lot of good stuff got started on that. You know, it's it's pretty insane to look back on that. Okay, um, Josh, we're going to, I want to touch on one other game that I just randomly remembered. Okay. And then we'll, we'll do, we already did a LAN episode not too many weeks ago, probably a couple months ago. So we'll touch on LAN a bit. And I, I want, I want our, our episode to conclude with just briefly talking about Halo 1 and 2 and LAN parties, because really, if we did a LAN party, let's be real here, it was about it was Halo. <laughs> and Halo 1 and 2... It wasn't Greg Hayes' the importance. paintball tournament, that's for damn sure. No, it was not. It was not. Uh, the importance of those games in this console, obviously, Halo is what spawned this podcast. I feel like the edginess... Well, I don't want to use the term edginess, but the, the, cool, the cool factor of the original Xbox is definitely the spirit we try to embody with Sacred Icon, right? Yeah, Be- Between... Me and Josh's nostalgia, the way we talk, the way we laugh, make jokes, the the, the crazy music at the beginning of our intro and outro, we, we're perpetually trying to give off those vibes, those nostalgic Xbox OG vibes, and into 360 a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, one thing I want to touch on real quick, because I, I think it's relevant, uh, the Dead Space remake just came out, um, and I, I think, I didn't, know, I didn't know if I was going to buy it or not, but the reviews are so stellar, I probably am, and me and my wife are going to play it together, because we love playing horror games together. I jump like a little girl, she never gets scared, it's beautiful, it's a wonderful thing. But there's this game that this this always kind of blew my mind. Did you ever? I don't know if you'll be able to pinpoint Josh like a specific example, but I think you'll understand what I'm saying. Every now and then, you'll you'll have a game you like, and then you'll realize there was a game that came out years prior that kind of seems like it was the same game. Sure. But it never got the same relevance. So there's this game for the uh, I guess it was on the PS2 also. I didn't realize that it was on the PS2 and Xbox called Cold Fear. You ever heard of Cold Fear? I have heard of Cold Fear. Yeah. And it kind of felt like Dead Space before Dead Space. Uh, it says uh, Cold Fear is a 2005, so it came out the year the 360 came out, 2005 survival horror third-person shooter game developed by Darkworks. Uh, it's a Ubisoft horror game. Um, let's see here. Uh, what's Okay, here we go. Uh, the game is centered on Tom Hansen, a member of the United States Coast Guard, who comes to the aid of a Russian whaler in the Bering Strait and finds a mysterious parasite has turned the crew into zombie-like creatures. Okay, so so the the story of 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 uh, Dead Space is this this uh, Isaac Clark, this mining uh, miner guy, whatever mining facility guy. He gets on this ship, the Ishmira or whatever. I'm, I apologize if I'm butchering the words here, guys. 
and he finds out that this 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 freighter ship, the Ashmira, uh, all the people on it have been turned into this these zombies by this parasitic like creature. So instead of Isaac Clark on this spaceship with parasitic parasitic creatures, it's uh, Tom Hansen on this uh, like sea ship with parasitic zombie creatures, mm-hmm. and it's it's like a third person survival horror. And I'm like, did any of this team like go over to? It says it says it was I don't know like did this team go over to Visceral to this make Dead Space right or did the there people for certain yeah. did the people at Visceral play this and decide they wanted to make it I don't know I just thought that was interesting but that's all I need to say. Well, about hey, if you guys ever game. have heard of it, I'll, I'll name another one. If you guys Blue Stinger, if any of you guys have ever heard of that game or played that game that was on the Dreamcast, you hit me up and let me know. That was a what, similar. What game was it? It's called Blue Stinger. It was a zombie game, Blue Stinger. a little bit similar okay. but definitely different. But no one ever talks about that game. One of my favorite games ever. Anyway, Brian, um, okay, take guys. us into the next round. Yeah, this is the last segment to wrap up. We're going to make it real quick. I'm wrap up say my piece. Nuts. That's what I'm going to say when Ooh, I see Evangeline man, Lilly put in a nice little Quantum Mania. Um, uh. I'll pass over to Josh. He'll give his bit, and then we're going to go into the business because we got to get out of here. Um, but, guys, the crown jewel of the system. Everyone knows this. That's why we haven't talked about it for the first two hours. We're a Halo podcast. You don't need to talk about it. But the crown jewel of the system is Combat Evolve slash Halo 2. Those two games are what made this console sell. It's what made people talk about this console. It's the reason we bought all these other games, because we came in for Halo, and we're like, what else you got? We found other things. So Halo 1 and 2, they're some of the best games ever made. They're two of my favorite games of all time. Halo 2 is my favorite game of all time. Uh, I love them dearly. Um, it was what drew me, it drew me to Xbox. It's what, it's what made Xbox even more badass. You, It already looked badass, but you play Halo, and you're like... Halo and Xbox just felt like they were made for each other, didn't it? It felt like one, it just you can just picture like one singular, like godlike creature coming down and just creating the Xbox and Halo in one fell swoop because they felt like they were just so perfectly made. Mm-hmm. So uh, Halo 1 and 2, they're my favorite games on the system. Uh, obviously, Josh would put KOTOR above it. I, w- I, would go, I would go Halo 2, Halo 1, Fable, and Josh would probably go something like, you know, KOTOR... Halo 1, Halo 2, or I don't know if you yeah, put Morrowind. Yeah, I don't think you put, no, yeah. I got to give yeah, it so to Halo 2 over Halo just because of the land party stuff. Okay. But yeah, okay, yeah. you're, so you're, you're just, close though. We're man. right there. You know, we're right there. Just Fable you know and, and KOTOR and the Halo game. Yeah. You know? um, but uh, Crown Jewels of the system, and it led to um, some of the most unique gaming experiences we'd ever had up to that point with land parties because, like we said, not only did the console launch with a broadband adapter for potential Xbox Live play, but you could use... Ethernet cables to to mix those things to to bring consoles together and yeah, do local yeah. like basically split screen gameplay, but with um, not you didn't have to be online, but you could use separate consoles, separate TVs. Everyone remembers lugging giant TVs, lugging uh, their game consoles to each other's house, and LAN parties are just an extremely special thing. And the only thing I'm not gonna, the only reason we're not going to go any further on the LAN party stuff is because we just did an episode called the Almighty LAN Party just a couple months ago. Check that out if you're interested. Um, but uh, land parties, I mean, that was another huge thing that just felt like another step into the future, right? Because nobody did that with their GameCubes or their no, PS2s. No. The console was amazing. Josh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I love the Halo games. Uh, you know, they're pretty awesome. I think, you know, when uh, Microsoft acquired Bungie, that was super cash money of them to do that, you know, and what it meant for the future. So super banger titles that they put out back to back, despite the development woes they had with that. Uh, it was it was fun. It was a crazy time. I mean, that's what got me in, my foot in the door with the console, and that's what kept me. That's what essentially led to me wanting to get a 360. I mean, 
like Brian said, I've gotten every Xbox because I know that a Halo is going to come at some point, even though I don't play as much Halo on <laughs> as much as other people do. But super cash money, super banger. I love that shit. But uh, LAN parties was amazing. One of the happiest times of my life. Um, I had plenty of happy memories and stuff like that, but uh, it was just so cool. Like going through a tough time at school and super you know, anxiety up my butt and just didn't want to go, didn't know my place in the world, but still figuring out who the hell I was. But I knew who I was when I played Halo 2 multiplayer. And uh, my back still hurts from this day to carrying my it team did. all the time. It felt like coming so, home. Yeah, it really did. So carrying the big TVs over to friends' houses down the street, um, <laughs> lugging them in cars, um, you know, and just calling all the people up. The general sense of excitement you could feel in the air as you were reaching the weekend and you knew you were getting close to going over to a friend's house for a sleepover. And this person was bringing 12 packs of A&W root beer. And this person was going to be getting Domino's pizza. And, oh, such and such is able to come over this time. And Best you have so many good times with your friends just laughing, yelling at one another, fighting about things that don't even really matter. Um, getting passive aggressive, making passive aggressive comments, maybe punching one another on the shoulder, uh, staying up till five in the am, uh, five in the morning, uh, when you know there's like girls gone wild commercials on and diet weight loss commercials, and you're laughing at the most stupid shit, but it's because you're with your friends and you're having a good time, and uh, um, it it you know I why do drugs when you can play Halo, Halo land parties, man? Exactly. You know, I just like that was my thing. People were smoking, drinking, you know, going out. I mean, honestly, <laughs> sleeping with their girlfriends, and I'm like, I don't need any of that. I got Xbox. <laughs> Same, buddy. Let's be real. Same. No, it Let's was be real. Those were good times, so, man. Those were good times. Yeah, but guys, the the OG Xbox, man. What what you can just hear the passion, in our voices, the the memories we've had, the nostalgia. You got so um, excited. You got so excited. I mean. Yeah, irreplaceable memories to me. But guys, we're gonna go ahead and go into the business. Make I gotta sure you say stay around quick, to the end because I, just to summarize, I, yeah, go ahead, John. It's go my ahead. second favorite console of all time for the stuff I already mentioned. But it's just a real special time. It you know it has one of the uh, the the shortest console lives. I think any console has really had that's been successful. Um, you know, I mean, the Dreamcast probably takes the cake, but. Uh, Oh, well, I guess that was a failure. But anyway, suffice it to say, I love it. I don't want to say that, but I love that it. That was the most backhanded FU Dreamcast on accident <laughs> I've ever heard. I love it, though. But uh, two years was was rough for, for that. But I love the Xbox. It makes me happy. I mean, I'm looking at it right now as I'm talking, and it just gives me so much nostalgia. Uh, my disc tray still jams on that thing, but I still will fight with it to play some games. Uh, from time to time, I miss how games looked, even though I love how they look now too. And uh, I want to play Halo One and Two on an Xbox Original Tube TV yeah. now. Like I, I want to do that instead of MCC. I just want to do it again. <laughs> it made me. It was just super fun time. It was a super fun time, and uh, lugging it over to people's houses was uh, a blast. And you could, man, you could, uh, you could headbutt somebody with that. I could steal a bit from Hawes, and Hawes could uh, use that to put me in a Cobra clutch, and. I would tap out, but the Xbox would be fine. I'd be unconscious, but but the Xbox and Halls would be great, and he could keep playing his games. So, yeah, but I mean, but you know, it was just amazing, and I I always I, I don't remember ever feeling frustrated with it, ever rage quitting or anything. I just there was always just it was teetering on the edge of just uh, just this excitement that you didn't know what to expect with those games. Like Brian said, with the packaging, it it yeah, it had this edginess to it, which sometimes works for stuff, sometimes it doesn't. But like, it made it really cool. PlayStation was like this gentleman's console. You kind of knew what to expect, but then you had this extreme, you know, kind of console with the Xbox. And uh, I loved being able to have that balance. So definitely going to be forever a favorite console of mine. Yeah. For those of you that know me well enough or talk to me in the discord, um, 
you know, you'll know that nowadays I'm a more PlayStation guy than I'm an Xbox guy because I've just really resonated with what PlayStation has been doing for the last 10 years more. But the fact of the matter is my two favorite consoles of all time is the 360 and the original Xbox, and they're untouchable. PlayStation's not going to be able to do anything that's going to be able to top Brian, those memories. I know we ain't got time for it, buddy, but that Hi-Fi Rush game that's out and everyone's talking about it, I'm so happy for them, but like, I could not give less of a shit. I don't give a shit about it. I, I don't. I'm just, I don't care. I know Sorry. people are like, well, what about that for exclusives? I'm like, that's not like the type of AAA exclusive I'm looking for. And if you enjoy and you know, it, and that's your game of the year. People yelling at us right now. I'm so happy. Yelling at us right now going, yeah, I'm so happy. For- indie games, guys. <laughs> indie games, small games. Yeah, right. I, I don't care. That's not what I play. Yeah. Like I, I understand. You got to understand. Like take it, take it from this top level, guys. I play games for entertainment, for passion. You know, it's not. Uh, I'm not required to play them. It's not a job for me. It's just something I do for fun. What attracts me is primarily AAA experiences. I you call me. I don't know what you want to call me. Call me a shill. Call me uh, corporate. I don't know. Like suck up. I don't even know what you want to call it. But those are the. That's what I fall in love with. Those baby. are the games I want to play. And I have limited Max. time, and Josh Josh understands this as well. We have more limited time than ever. I'm not going to spend my time on High Rush, games like High Rush. And it's not because High Rush is bad. It's not because High Rush doesn't deserve to be out, doesn't deserve to have fans. I'm not even saying the games I play are better than High Rush. They're just not the type of games that I want to play. The things that get me excited are not things like High Rush yeah, I believe and they went with the Pass. I Rush want, for the title. I it would have been more cash money of them to do High C Punch. I would have bought that game or played that on Game Pass day one. High C Punch? Yeah, yeah I like oh, High C yeah. Punch. At least I, like I would have had brand better. recognition. Yeah. <laughs> but no. No, seriously, just no kidding, diss on anyone who's interested in that game and loving it. I just, I, I saw that, I didn't even watch that developer direct, but I saw that come out and I was like, man, happy for people that are excited for that, but it doesn't do anything for me. Same just thing not with, what I'm, we're not here for that. Redfall. I'm not interested in another yeah. four-player cooperative nope, experience. Not, no. I'm ready for Xbox to give me those exclusives, you know? Yeah. I know Starfield's coming, but not. we'll see. I don't know. Don't yeah. mean to go on that you know, tangent. I'm really going to sound, yeah. I'm really going to sound like a shill here, but. I'm not going to buy it because I don't have the money or the time. Man. And it hasn't got the best. I'm actually not talking about Hi Fi Rush, Josh. No, uh, no. I don't no, have the money or the time. Either. Um, but I'm actually really interested in Forspoken, the PlayStation exclusive that's yeah. getting raked, raked over the coals with uh, bad reviews. So it makes me sound like a PlayStation like fanboy, I guess. But like, you just like to me, that's like, like a. And I'm not saying high. We're not saying High Fi Rush is a shit game, or people shouldn't enjoy that. Yeah, just, like High like Fi Rush you, is probably you like what, you what like. it is. It's probably a better game yeah, than Forspoken. Sure. But Forspoken is a third person new IP set in a fantasy kind of world made by the people who made Final Fantasy 15. Like that game interests me. I'm not going to buy it because, like I said, no time, no money, and like the uh, the reviews haven't been that good. But like, just goes to show that even when everyone's crapping on Forspoken and talking about High Rush. I'm I'm over here like I want to play Forspoken, so you know it's just different. You like what you like, man. Things. Different strokes, yeah. No, 100. Yeah. percent But OG Xbox 360. You're making me realize though, I'd love to do a state of the a state of Xbox episode soon. I'd really like to sit down. Put it on the list, Josh. That. Yeah, Put it on the list. <laughs> yeah, that's a big um, thing. Going list, into buddy. the business, guys. Finally, going into the business. If you want to send an email or a voice clip, send it to sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow Josh on Twitter, he is at Jedi Knight Joshy. If you want to follow me, I'm at Brian's Bane. If you want to follow the Sacred Icon account, it is at Sacred Icon Pod. If you've interested, if if you've interested, <laughs> if you've interested, if you've listened to us and you've been interested in supporting us in some way, the best way to do it is to go to patreon.com slash sacred icon. And you can leave as little as a dollar there and get the benefit of having your name shouted out in the podcast. There's plenty of other options there, other tiers, other things you can get for for uh, pledging to the patron. Uh, we have a lot of people there who we are just so, so appreciative of. 
Uh, I check it all the time, and it always is only going upward. It never goes down, and we have endless appreciation for those people. It's the patron. Like, money is the loudest way to speak to, man, we like your content, and we want you guys to stick around. Like, I mean, there's other ways that makes us happy, too. I mean, but it's it not really, just money. It really sells like, it, because that's coming out of your own wallet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if somebody's like, "Hey, I want to, I want to make sure these guys keep giving me weekly podcasts and other stuff, keep the keep the Twitter running, keep the Discord going," like that's the biggest way to do it. But hey, if you guys don't want to give to the patron, that's also fine. Just listening, recommending the podcast, I'm just to, <laughs> yeah, uh, listen to the podcast, recommend it to others. We appreciate that as well. Go to iTunes, leave a five star review, write whatever you want in the review space. Say that we're crap. Just make sure you leave five stars because that's what gets the algorithm going. Um, but yeah, Josh, you ready for me to go into patron shout outs? Yeah. It's going to be real quick, and then after the patron shoutouts, we're going to well, I have a little, uh, little little sizzle at the end just to make sure, you know, give those people a reason to stick around. And don't be skipping the 15-second thing on your phone either. Make sure you listen to all these shoutouts. No, I'm just kidding. You guys do whatever you want. Um, Josh, I'm going to go quick. We'll, we'll give a little bit of time for the first one because we've got a new I love when you preface go quick, to so me, buddy. you you got to keep up with preface me. Preface to me, okay. Brian. I'll go uh, at my own speed. Our new Run, patron, newest patron since Monday, Jacob Nyreen. Makes me think of a spleen. He's got a very, very strong spleen. Thank Nyreen you, Jake. Sounds Nyreen. like a brand that I would totally buy. Nyreen? It's a brand of what? What is it? Like a kind of brand? Uh, joggers. For what? Joggers? Yeah. A joggers yeah. brand? I'm going to get some Nyreens. Like Nyreens? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a good shoe. Yeah. Okay. A good shoe or a strong spleen? You let us know, Jacob, which one you prefer. Maybe <laughs> you got yeah. both. Hey. You have a strong spleen because you're such a good runner. There you go. That's how we get to There the you team. go, Brian. All right, Josh. Here <laughs> I go. Thank you, Jake. We got Ken Koitzik. Chris Denton, Installation 00, Boba's Feet, Diente Ombre, Jesse Insanity, Wesley Eaton, Lissa McCreary, Sparkies, Hocus Locus, not Hocus Pocus, Dark Chaos 580, Blind Valkyrie. She can see a lot, though. It's crazy. <laughs> William Green, nice guy. My pastor's last name's Green. It's got to be nice, oh my right? God. Simon Eddy, Kevin Benson, Albino, he's a sacred staple. I, Irving TV, love that dude's face. AJ's Dank, <laughs> you think he stinks, but he really doesn't. Uh, Ian Rucker, DeRuck. The fuck? That's it. Shin Rebel, he's a saint. <laughs> Shin Rebel. Ascending from the ashes, born anew. Irish Phoenix. Gotta, gotta, gotta love the memes. Can't gotta wait to love. see what he has for us this time. Yeah. Hell yeah. Next we got, not doing the dab, doing the dab. Thank you so much, the dab. Appreciate you. Sexy Mofo, Jared Hartley. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. We got our mods, Small Print TV, Aaron and Preyanchu. Love you guys. Thank you. Wesley, too. Um... Wesley, but I already mentioned him, but yes, Wesley, you're a mod. <laughs> thanks, thanks, uh, Josh. Um, Colton Pittman, Sacred Staple Rodan, Rodan, Butter My Waffles, David Wyant, you heard him on the Final Fantasy episode, Amazing. appreciate you. Uh, ACDC Outlaw, Josh, give us a of that. James Gunn, I don't like him, and I'm going to put him in the face. James Gunn, I don't like him. <laughs> I like that's pretty good. Uh, we got Caleb Webster. He's responsible for doing our music. He's basically our Michael Salvatore, our, our Marty O'Donnell. Appreciate you. Um, we got Chris Gekko, Greg, have you seen my Greg, Chris Greco. Josh says, why don't you do it one more time, Brian? I say, okay, why not? I'll do it for you. Chris Gekko, Greg, have you seen my Greg, Chris Greco. There you go. There's two. We got you our boy Tony. We love him. Tony gives us such kind words. Love Tony. Uh, next, we got Mustard Chief. Not the Queen Grunt, the King Grunt. Man, Josh, I, I, you know why Blind Valkyrie's blind? It's because she's been underneath Aries' report 30's mustache for so long. <laughs> Thank you so much. We got the Mantana Menace. Mantana Menace? Mantana. No. Mantana Menace. I just picture he's like, he owns like a tanning salon Man-tan- called Mantana Menaces. Um, next we have Green Plumber. Goes by another name. Fucking Ouija, bro. There it is. 
Ryan Barca, the biggest NASCAR Thunder 2003 enthusiast. You probably love this episode because of it. Appreciate you. We got Joshy Big Boy, who says, Josh, you think your hands are big. I had to hold two Dukes just to play Halo one player. You have the OG Halo podcaster, Potacular, which is actually Dust Storm. I don't know why I said that instead of his name. But <laughs> KN Nick, who says, hey, this podcast is quality. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. My quality just got picked Trevor up. Trevor Polkey, yeah. who... He's considering letting the rest of the world have a woman, but he kind of wants to have them all on his arm because he's a suave-looking dude. Thank you so much for that. We have the Shipleys, the most wholesome of families. Appreciate you so much. And finally, Josh, who do we have? I mean, it's all Justice League. Knew it needed more. James Gunn came in and said, fuck you. It's my Matthew Salvatore. <laughs> Man, the the if we had a bar graph of, of Matthew Salvatore's happiness, it's like really low when he's wanting like Zack Snyder's Justice League. Skyrockets into the air as he actually gets Zack Snyder's Justice League. And then James Gunn. Man, I'm so open to whatever James Gunn wants to do in the reboot stuff, but it was such a big blow getting rid of Cavill. You could have still done new stuff with After Cavill. you said he was back to everyone. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't That's believe rough. that. That's rough. Um, guys, for a final sizzle, we haven't had a voice recording in a while. I want to give Tony. I saw this. You didn't tell me about that, but I saw in the Discord he had sent one in. What's up, Sacred Icon? It's Tony. Hey, I I have a special request for you guys. I got my father-in-law, who's recently into video games. Period. Um, came in on Breath of the Wild, loved it. Just got absolutely hooked. Played it over and over, and then he got him him. My father-in-law and my mother-in-law, they're both playing. Um, they started together, and they've played their own rounds. Now he's gone on to where he's beat it on, like, master level, like the master difficulty. I can't remember what it's called, but he's just thoroughly whooped that game's ass. He knows it inside and out. And then I said, well, if you like that, you would like... Um, what was it? Oh, Assassin's Creed uh, Origins or Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, I, I I pointed them towards that series, and they just freaking ate it up. They loved that RPG open world, um, <coughs> the upgrading the weapons and all that stuff. And it had they they liked how it had similarities to Zelda Breath of the Wild because it. It, it it's like they were trained, you know, from the ground up with Breath of the Wild, and it totally was able to bridge over to Assassin's Creed, the the newer series. And anyway, my point that I'm getting at is this this does relate to Halo and Sacred Icon. <laughs> so, um, after all that time, my brother-in-law convinced, well, um convinced uh my father-in-law i'm sorry i'm tripping over my words because i'm trying to call them by name but you guys don't know their names um <laughs> so <clears throat> he convinced my father-in-law you should try first person shooters dad i really think that you would like it and um so my father-in-law was like all right they had a big long talk over some wine right and he got he got sold on it like he got brian arvett sold on it <laughs> and uh, he was like, okay, what do you suggest I is my first? And then I, that's when I came to Sacred Icon and I went into the, the, the shooters uh, channel. And I asked and, and I said, hey, you think it would be okay if it was Halo Infinite? Because, you know, it's got the training on it, like the academy, and it has the practice of the shooting and the buttons and throwing grenades, right? Because he's used to Breath of the Wild. And 
I'm just trying to think, like, if I first came into the video game world and my first experience was Breath of the Wild, where the fuck do I go next after that with a, with a first-person shooter? And Halo Infinite was the only one I could think of that has, like, actual training, right? And so that was my th- thought is I just didn't want him to get frustrated with the first person, the looking and the grenades and all the, all the things, right? Because it's a lot different combat than, than the other. Um, so he went and he played it and he fucking loves it. So I'm like, all right, now, now that he's been introduced in the first person shooter world and he's played Halo Infinite and he's getting trained on it like he did with Zelda Breath of the Wild, what's the next one that I should introduce him to? If not, just go back and play the older Halos. And then additionally, the big question I wanted from you guys is as a, as a retired captain in the Department of Corrections who's gotten into video games in his retirement life, which I think is just so cool, what questions would you guys have for someone like that entering in to Halo Infinite or the Halo series in general? I would love to gather some questions from the community, from you guys, whatever, and ask him and get his response. Talk to you guys later. If he's only played Infinite, man, that's tough because something like Halo 1 is so old and archaic feeling. So I would maybe go, I mean, mm, Halo 1's not a bad option, but if you're not going to go Halo 1, I would go Halo 3 because Halo 3 is... That's a classic to most people. So over to you. Hell yeah, no, dude, awesome voicemail. Always great to hear your voice sound. He makes our day so much. That dude has so much charisma, it's just oozing out. Oh, dude, he's he gave us some really kind words earlier in the week, mm-hmm. and ooh, man, did it make it made my day. Oh man, we love you, Tony. Uh, yeah, question for your dad would be similar to Brian's. I'm very curious to know, like, it, you know, does it does it feel fun? To, to actually really, you know, play that, have that different experience, have all those Marines, like, yelling in your ear and stuff like that and just talking shit to the aliens, you know, or is it, or parts of it, you know, what, what do you like and what do you don't like about it? That's what I would be curious to know. Um, as for, for a game recommendation, uh, I'm not, I'm going to go outside the box. You got to show your dad gears, like, right away. He needs, you got to have him oh, chainsaw. Not even Halo. You got to have him chainsaw a fucking locust, bro. Your dad, I've, you, you showed me that video of your dad and doing the, I think he was doing like one of the wrestling voices, like Macho Man or some shit. I, your dad would totally be a Gears of War character, bro. And like, I, he's got to play that game, man. You both got to play that game. Dom and Marcus, both of you guys, Dom and Marcus. Bandana on, jacked as F. Man, going off. I got to know that. I would love to hear that story. It's a good pick. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so, so have your dad play Halo 3. And Gears of War. Oh yeah, that's what you got to do. Oh yeah, he's got he's got a he's got a, a journey here. I always think when I think of like Gears of War one, I just think of like brotherhood and camaraderie. Brian, can- and I think of like that. I think of that scene where um, are you just walking around and like Baird and Cole are talking, and then I think it's like Baird says something like, "Number twenty three, sign my shirt." <laughs> and it's like they're making fun of Cole, like being a like popular football Brian, or thrash ball player. But uh, can you hit me up with a Macho yeah. Man? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I had to gargle lasagna to channel that. But anyways, guys... 
Thank you so much, Tony, for that voice clip. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and recommending this episode because I feel like this is a pretty damn good episode and it's because you guys have kept pushing for it. It's the sequel to our Xbox 360 era episode. It's very cash money um, of you guys. Yeah, we uh, very, very cash money. Yeah, totally my thoughts, Josh. Um, but uh, we love the OG Xbox. We love uh, the brand of Xbox and what's done for our lives. This has been another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast. Hi. We're glad you guys are here. We love you. We love you. We can't wait to hear from you again. And thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep it sacred. Got a new contact. Unknown classification. It isn't one of ours. Take it out. This is Spartan 117. Can anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? Sir, finishing this fight.